Bad snap. Bobble. Oh. Scoops oh. up. Here come the Spartans. Touchdown, MSU. From WDBM East Lansing, you're listening to the Green and White Report, a production from Impact Sports. This is your source for sports news, debates, and more for Michigan State, Detroit, and the rest of the sports world. Morning, folks. Good Sunday morning to you. February 9th edition of the Green and White Report, episode 130-something. We got to figure that out eventually. I was trying to look back when we were doing the... uh, Doing the preparation last night that I was doing at one o'clock in the mornings. I was watching This Is Us and eating flaming hot uh, Cheetos yeah. fries. I was like, "What episode is this?" And I tried to look back, and I think the problem is there was an episode in December which we marked as like one twenty-five, and the next one we marked as one twenty-seven. Ooh, okay, mess. that's a problem. That's a problem. Well, yeah. First off, two things to to what you just just said. Yes. One. Prep at one a.m. might be the best best prep known to man. It is. I those are productive hours. Productive hours. They are. Two. This is us. Very emotional. I am. I am with you on there. I watched that episode last night as well. Okay. I here's the thing. I people ask me all the time, like, why why do you watch it? Why is that your show? There's something to be said about being very upset that makes you feel good. Yeah. It makes you feel. Yeah. You know, it's better to feel pain than nothing at all. Whatever. The, exactly. It's an Illumineer song, I believe, but. Uh, they were just at Little Caesars Arena, by the way, the Lumineers. Should have oh. caught that one. But, yeah, I, uh, I had a personal day yesterday. I was, I'm was i getting a little under the weather. Uh, my, my one roommate works at Cottage Inn, so he was at Cottage Inn last night. My other roommate is a bartender at Harper's. He was there. Um, my other roommate, Matt, shout out Matt, uh, he was he was in and out. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a personal day. I had my there McDonald's when I got when we got done with uh, the final rows yesterday. Oh, nice. How was the final rows? It was a good time. It was a good time. You were missed. We like having you on there. You bring you bring the flavor. <laughs> I bring Ka- the flavor. I Collins, try. It was me, Colin, Steph, and Maddie. We were rolling. Um, had my McDonald's. I was like, you know what? I need a chocolate milkshake today. So I got a chocolate milkshake. That, that's that's a, a That's the thing about college. You can do things like that. And there's no consequences except when you look in the mirror the next day and go, wow, I have spring break in two to three weeks, and this is I look gross still. So, <laughs> But then I was I went out to uh, CVS, got myself some. I wanted to get Flamin' Hot Cheetos. By the way, I was never a Flamin' Hot Cheetos guy growing so up. So good. I can't, like the, the spicy whole ordeal was tough for me, but I, I couldn't find like the personal size bag of the Flamin' Hot Cheetos, so I got the Chester's fries. Oh. Not as good. Grab a little peanut M&M action, come back. I was watching This Is Us for probably five hours, and then I was like, you know what? Let's throw some notes in for the show tomorrow. So about one one thirty. That's when go. that happened. That's a great day. It's Collins, a wonderful you gotta, day. You turn the mic on, Collins. Ryan <laughs> Collins is joining us <laughs> now. Just behind the glass. It's okay. It's been a stressful morning. Eric keeps shaking his head. Uh, come on, Collins. We need you. Still not working. Still, out. still not. It's okay. Going. Uh, we'll let Ryan Collins get his uh, feet under him over there, and uh, we'll just keep rolling. Um, one thing I would do want to touch on about yesterday, though, I'm not sure how involved you were with this uh, whole whole ordeal, how much you cared. The XFL debuted yesterday. Uh, yeah, I didn't watch any of the games, but I, I was following through Twitter, looking at some stats, looking at guys do well. I saw Connor Cook get benched already in the XFL. Yeah, well, I don't think that he. I think the he was supposed to start. I don't know what team he's on. I don't know what these teams are. Shout I thought he was supposed Battle to start. Hawks. I think he's yes, the same whatever. Team. But I don't think that he. I don't think he ended up starting. I think that was the whole ordeal. I don't know if he saw a game time yesterday. I don't really. That's the thing. Do you do you care? I know that you. There's a team from St. Louis. So there is. 
I don't know, but it's like it's not the NFL. You it's, know, the, it's not. I I view the XFL the same way I view the AAF, and it's just the, these are just fringe teams that I don't care about. I'm a Detroit. I'm a Detroit sports fan, so if there's not a team based in Detroit, I have no incentive to watch for any like based on any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, and Connor I just. Cook. Hey, Kyle, yeah, you back. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but it, it, Connor Cook getting benched was the XFL's – it's dead to me. I'm not watching it now. <laughs> I was all in. And then I found out P.J. Walker is the starter for the – what's it called? The Houston Roughnecks? Yeah. Instead of Connor Cook. Tough look for Connor Cook. I'm pretty sure he's the third pick in the XFL draft. Hate to look. see that. He's like in the promos for like the league. <laughs> yeah, with some long hair too. Crazy, but do you do you do either of you guys care? I mean, no, not really. Yeah, it's football no, though. I'll watch it. It's I gonna like go under in a few months. I I'm in the, I'm in the same boat where I just don't. I do not see how this thing lasts. I, I think I it does though. They have good TV deals, like which that's where all your money comes from is the TV deals. I so, will say that. So if they could just like I I don't know how many teams they I, th- I think ten right. Yeah, there's ten I believe. Yeah, and they have I, they're in pretty good markets. It, it's the rules are interesting. You just need to get yeah. some sort of font. Like, you need to at least get 25,000 people in stadiums. Yeah. For I will it to say, s- sustain itself. Yeah, I will say, like, with the television, ESPN, you know, they had some of the games yesterday, and just being able to interview a kicker after he misses a field goal. That was funny. And a DB after an interception. Like, that stuff you're not going to get in the NFL. Did you Did you guys like the, like, live mic on the, like, live interview, though? Like that? After the field goal missed, that was kind of weird. I didn't it even like the weird. coaches, Mike. That it's, I hated it's weird. that. But it's an, it's just for something that is trying to be different. Yeah, it's it's an interesting wrinkle to watch. I'll say this: if they the Dragons logo put me, I was like thrown off. I was like, this is like a logo I made in NCAA football 2005, <laughs> create a dynasty. Like who made that logo? It was so bad. I was like appalled. Like you gotta have a better logo. All the I think all the jerseys are kind of eck. But who's the yeah. who's the guy that does the bigger guy? I don't know if he's on ESPN or he's on Fox. That was doing the the Houston game yesterday. Joel Klatt. No, what, who's with him? Who is with Kurt him? Kurt Manatee. Was it Kurt? Yeah, I yeah, think Kurt. he he called the Houston Rough Riders the Renegades for like the first seven minutes of the game. Nice. I, I, I <laughs> seriously, if you go back and listen to the tape, he called them the Renegades a hundred times. They scored a touchdown. He goes. There it is, first touchdown in franchise history for the Houston Renegades. And I'm like, dude, they're not the Renegades. That's a horrible look. Well, I mean, Menifee is usually a studio guy. Yeah. I love Menifee. Fox NFL nice. Sunday is fantastic. Great. Yeah, yeah great. it is Menifee. Yes, you're right. Um, but I, it's hard, like I said, if there's not a team from Detroit, first of all, if there was a team from Detroit, I don't think I would watch, but I'd be like, oh, I hope they. I would definitely it, it, it would, watch. But it would be kind of a slap in the face if the team from Detroit won the championship before the Lions. Before the Lions. Well, that's what happened with the USFL. Like the Detroit, I think it was the Michigan Panthers won the USFL yeah. title. Oh, really? I mean, the year before they had no imploded. recollection of that. <laughs> Whatever. I don't. I we'll see how this thing goes. Cool. I didn't. I didn't watch yesterday. I watched maybe one possession of the Houston game. It's not. I'm not going to be that guy. Like the talent's not there because it's still football. There's talented players, but I just, I just don't care. I don't know how else to describe it to you, other than the the four major uh, leagues. I don't know what else you want me to do. Because like I think about it, like if the NBA were just like we're going to take the G League and put the G League in the summertime, and now you're like I have my NBA season and then I go and watch G League player. Like it's talent and those guys are good, but like even though I want more basketball, this isn't. It's like a watered-down version of what I want. Yeah, it, it just it, it, there's more weight to the pro leagues. There's not as much weight to this to where I would like, care. I think it would work 
if they had a like it was like the minor league system though. Like the NFL was like we own part of this league. And they bring guys up like if they need a okay. Like I, like yeah. like they, it's like two way deals and stuff like that. Not yeah. it like know what I'm saying though. Like yeah, they have a good it. relationship yeah. with NFL. Also, Vincent Mann's got all the money in the world, baby. This since lasts as long <laughs> as a tan. I wish it was like the old XFL where you can. I want to see some some people like breaking necks out there. I think I would watch it if there were pe- if you were allowed to like body slam people. <laughs> the football, suplex the black football back in the day was so much better than the football they have now. I will say that. Yeah, but they spent the year on this football. That's their big thing. We spent a year crafting this football. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Really? It's a yeah. football. Oh, so it took a year. It took a year to craft. Jeez. Read the articles in the lab. Um, but whatever. That's some XFL talk for today. I don't no know if we'll do, I don't know if we'll ever do it again, but that was XFL talk. Uh, a lot to do on the show today. Thanks again for joining us this morning. Uh, we will, of course, open the show with probably the biggest news that's been around Michigan State University in the last week or so. That is the retiring of Mark D'Antonio as Michigan State's football coach. Next we will question. Talk, <laughs> there you go. Hey, Mark, how are you? Uh, we will talk Michigan State basketball as well. Uh, we have Sparty Awards for you today, as always. Actors that could play us in a movie. So between Julian and I, actors that we feel could do us some justice. I have some controversial ones, but we'll get into that. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, We do have The Bachelor talk to do as well. Another week, two episodes to talk about. We'll try to fly through that. Yeah. Uh, MSU Hockey, they were on the road against Minnesota this past weekend. I guess this weekend. It's still Sunday. Uh, And then we'll end the show with talking about some potential replacements for Mark D'Antonio. Time permitting, because usually we get... uh, we get a little tight on time sometimes around here. But if you want to join the show today, 517-884-8989 to text us. Send us a text. Any thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, ideas to talk to talk about on the show, uh, leave us your name, too. I can shout you out if you want. Or not. Whatever. It's your world. I'm just living in it. Uh, tweet us during the show at WDBM Sports, hashtag GW Report. Uh, all right, Julian, let's move into now. Mark D'Antonio, of course, stepping down, retiring, I should say, I guess, as Michigan State's head football coach after 13 season. Yeah, thank you again, Mark. Uh, 13 seasons for him, 114 and 57 record, the most wins in program history. Obviously, the big milestone that came this year. Um, I guess we can start off with reactions. Were you surprised when you saw the tweet? I know this is something that has been talked about on and off all year long as far as is this the year that he steps down? Should he be fired? Yada, yada, yada. So uh, when you saw the tweet come out, I believe it was five days ago to a week, something like that. What was your initial reactions and thoughts to that? Well, yeah, I wasn't surprised because we, we've been talking about it almost every Sunday of football season of, you know, D'Antonio retiring or D'Antonio being fired, just some sort of, of moving on from Mark D'Antonio from the program. So I wasn't surprised with the retirement. I was surprised that it was just a tweet it just felt very very strange for you know this guy who for me at least has been I mean for I think a lot of people has been the face of Michigan State football has been the coach of Michigan State football to retire and move on from a program with a tweet it was it felt very sure uneventful for what was kind of an event I mean everybody saw it coming but it was still one of those moments where you're like Oh, Mark D'Antonio just retired, and it wasn't a press conference. It wasn't a, hey, guys, I'm calling this at noon on a Tuesday. I have a big announcement to make. It was I wrote this paragraph, speech, whatever, on an airplane in an airport, and this is now my tweet to let you know, hey, I'm I'm, I'm gone. Yeah, it's the whole tweet thing was bizarre, and I and we can get into the timing of the whole case with Curtis Blackwell and people's opinions on that. 
I was actually pretty surprised. I was because I think the timing of everything with National Signing Day being less than 24 hours in advance from that, and of course, you know, you've seen a little bit of. I don't want to say backlash, but some repercussions of him stepping down as far as recruits, maybe taking some more yeah. time to reevaluate. I was shocked because I felt that this this retirement, whether it was going to happen or not, obviously we heard from Bill Beekman that Mark D'Antonio was going to be here and go on his terms. So I think as far as him being fired, no one saw coming, which didn't happen, obviously. But as far as the retirement goes, the timing of it was so weird and so out of out of nowhere yeah. To where I was just like, really? Like this now? And I am someone who has not been a Michigan State fan my whole life. But as a fan of the football team since I've come to school here over the last four years, I've grown to not only love Mark D'Antonio, but just the culture and the the program itself of Michigan State football. So my initial reaction of it was this team screwed because it's just going to be a whole... And I think, again, with the timing of these allegations and the, the lawsuit or whatever's going on with Curtis Blackwell, again, we'll talk about that briefly. But I just look at this and go, this is something that might take a little while to get back to yeah. get back to sea level. And for a lot of people in talking with friends and seeing on Twitter, I don't want to say it was a feeling of good riddance. But as far as football goes, people were you know happy about this to see change. And I think once... I've always said about the whole D'Antonio thing is the grass is not always greener. And for a lot of people, they took this as it's unfortunate that he's retiring, but almost like, oh, well, I'm very thankful for this because now you can you can make progress to where what you thought you should have been doing for the past couple of years. So from a football standpoint, am I necessarily broken up about this? And in all honesty, no, I'm not, because I think that there were definitely changes that had to be made. And you and I have talked at length and everyone we've had on the show that covers the football team mm -hmm. of just something has to give here. And nobody was really confident in Mark D'Antonio to make the necessary changes. And from what it seemed like, you're rolling into sign National Signing Day and you still have not had any movement on the staff, makes you scratch your head and go, was anything going to change at all? And I can't answer yes to that. But from a standpoint of just looking at the program as a whole, obviously D'Antonio gives you, you know, three Big Ten championships, the Rose Bowl, the college football playoff appearance after winning the Cotton Bowl. For a lot of people who have been Michigan State football fans for years and years and years, and I'm excited to get Ryan Collins' take on this because he comes from a family that lives, breathes, and dies Michigan State football, Michigan State yeah. as a whole. It's probably a pretty it was probably pretty shaky getting that news. And say what you will about Mark D'Antonio and we'll talk about his legacy, but being a being a fan of the game of football and college football and being someone who's watched Big Ten football my whole life, I'm very aware of what Mark D'Antonio has done for this program. Of taking it from a John L. Smith program who is quite embarrassing and, and the program since 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 the sixties has not been known as a football powerhouse. And Mark D'Antonio builds this mecca of football and instills this tradition of winning and, you know, just hard work taking, you know, you've said before on the show, taking these three star recruits and turning them into players. It's it's a sad day, I think, for Michigan State football. And Mark D'Antonio will surely be missed and I think that his presence will be missed on this campus uh, quite dearly. Yeah. Collins, did you I I mean it was just weird. It was like the way, like you couldn't imagine the way he went out, like the way he went, like it was this surreal before that Penn State team, before Michigan State stunk it up. Uh, what was that, Tuesday or Wednesday? I think mean, Tuesday. Tuesday, right? it was a Tuesday, yeah. So like, I it was just bizarre. 
because it wasn't a celebration, which it like you assumed it would be because he is the greatest head coach in Michigan State football history. There's no doubt about it. It's better than Biggie Money. It's better than Duffy Doherty. And he's going out like this. It's it 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 doesn't like it leaves kind of a sour taste in your mouth. It really does because from a person who's he's probably given me four of the five of like four or five of the best moments of my entire life. And that might say a lot about me as a human <laughs> being <laughs> that I, I care that much about Michigan State football. And but like being at the Big Ten championship game, watching them beat Ohio State, basically my dad and my uncle like crying, like like yeah. like going to the Rose Bowl, like stuff I never imagined as a Michigan State football fan when I was wearing Drew Stan jerseys and I thought that guy was my Messiah when they were going five and seven and losing to Indiana at home. But I, I like it's just it's weird. It it really it, and he and I can't say he deserves a proper send off at this like point because he did it so abruptly, and I I don't buy the fact that he was like I always wanted to do it at this time because it, the process recycles. I definitely think there was something going on where it's like I can't ride this wave anymore. I can't deal with all these off the field issues anymore. I I like he's getting older. He's had health issues before. He's just like I, I'm done with it. Like, I, I truly believe that he planned on coaching Northwest the first game of the season last year. I did believe that. Like, I, I, I don't think it's like he was lying to the media when he was like, I'll be back. Like, I, I don't think he was be, would be giving out program win hats to get the six and six if he didn't plan on being back in the fall. Something definitely changed, which is a little suspicious. And, and definitely the timing puts it into question. Like, is there more stuff coming down the pipe in this Curtis Blackwell thing? And, and you're definitely gonna see more stuff as the depositions like grow and grow, but it's just so weird. It, it, it like it's it sucks, but at the same time, once you like kind of get over that initial reaction, you just like realize that like Michigan State, like Martin Antonio's press conference was held live on ESPN. Yeah, Michigan State football. You would have told me that like when I was five years old or seven years old or eight years, maybe the first three years in this program when Mark was there here. Like if you would have told me that, I would have like said like you're lying. Yeah. The, the the fact that Michigan State football has gotten to that big in stature and he's like you can't tell the story of college football in the 2010s without Martin Antonio and Michigan State. You just can't. Like they, they, they're factually one of the best teams. They were one of the best teams in that decade. And to see like that on the ticker on ESPN was weird to me because from a like local perspective, it just always kind of felt like Michigan State is more of a regional program. But I, I think it's like when he got f- not fired, but like he when he stepped on, excuse me, I'm saying the wrong words because I'm just this is so weird. I hate this. I hate that he went out this way. Yeah. It's it, it, it's it's strange. And you don't know. Like, uh, there's no other comparison for what this feels like I, and for how it went down. It's, I, I mean, think it feels like I, I'm not, like, comparing the stuff that happened under Ohio State with Urban Meyer to what Mark D'Antonio happened, like, have, has happened under the Michigan State program. It kind of feels like that, though, when Urban Meyer just kind of handed the keys away. It was just like, thank you, Urban, but, like, he didn't, like, it's not like he got a proper yeah. celebration. A no bit. one's like. Yeah. Given him, like, the, yeah. I don't know. It's just we- weird because, in a way, it's like, at least with, with, with Urban leaving, you were still in his, his whole greatness period. And Ohio State was still yeah. there and still yeah. great. It's weird kind of going through D'Antonio and you have all these moments and this legacy mm-hmm. that is filled with wins and, and championships and bowl wins and a college football playoff. 
And then pretty much since 2016, it has been a downhill spiral. And it's very weird to, because for a lot of ways, we were all, like we said, throughout the season, he's got to go. Something's got to happen. A change has got to come. And now the change has come, and it's like, oh, wait, I wanted the change, but didn't realize it would hurt this much. It's like having a girlfriend who you had some great moments with her, but in the last couple of years, she started to break your heart, and you realize, I got to leave you, but we had a lot of great moments well, together. That's well, deep. That's deep. I- I'll say this. <laughs> Mark D'Antonio has earned the right at Michigan State to go out when, whatever way he wants to. But he le- he left Michigan State. He hung him dry here. Yeah. They're in a bad spot. I Like, if he would have done this two months ago, it would have been more yeah. celebration. It would have been thank you, Mark, and stuff like that. But I think there's, like, that sort of thing in the back of Michigan State fans like mine. It's like, dude, why didn't you do this two months ago? Why didn't you do this right after the pinstripe bowl where we could have had a national coaching search instead of looking after three candidates? And if we don't get one of them, we're definitely going with an interim head coach and Mike Trussell. So, like, you put him in a bad spot. But, like I said, he's earned the right to do that. And for the people that are saying, hey, he got a $4 million bonus, guess what? If he would have retired, they would have found a way to give him $4 million because he earned that money. Yeah, He He earned that money. He took pay cuts for years. For years, he, he he was not making as much money as a lot of guys in the Big Ten in the Michigan State's heyday. So I mean, he earned that money. And I honestly, I think the program would have been worse if he stayed here for another year and didn't want to coach football anymore. Because I think that was the difference. I think he he tried to sell himself on the fact that he did want to be here for another year. When really, in his mind, once he hit the road on recruiting trips and was you know flying yeah. on planes, he realized he couldn't do this anymore. If he stuck here for another year, kept the same staff, and didn't have his heart in it, this program would be way worse than him retiring now and them at least having time to find someone new and try and turn this around in the next few years. I will say this: as much as I love Mark D'Antonio, the program needs this. Like they, they like you said, they need some change. The program has stagnated. Yeah. It really has. Like and la- like next year it doesn't get easier. You have the number one strength of schedule preseason currently right now. But I-, I think people are gonna have to accept next year that they're gonna be really bad because I, I don't have any expectations even if Luke Fickle is coming in or if Mike Trussell like stays, like they didn't make any offseason moves with the quarterback position like we thought they might do. They didn't go out and get Chase Bryce. They didn't go out and get KJ Costello. And, and, and that and I think that might have might that kind of bugs me because Mark, if you're leaving, can you just help us out? Because you get new blood in here. I think you you get a re like invigoration of the program a little bit. And you're able to make moves and maybe get a Chase Bryce. You may maybe get a KJ Costello. But since Mark is thinking over it in his mind, he's like, I don't know if I want to do this next year. It, the timing sucks. It truly does. That's why I think it makes it weird. It, like if he would have done this two months ago, he, even with those allegations, say those allegations came out about the recruiting violations and NCA stuff, it came out the like the same day, like as he retired two months earlier. I don't think that would have been brought up as much. Like that, I truly believe that. It's just like one day before National Signing Day, and I understand that doesn't hold the same weight with the new signing period like rules, but. It's weird. Yeah, I I agree completely. And to me, the way that this all unfolded, right, wrong, or indifferent with these allegations and whatnot, and I, you know, it it is part of me does kind of scratch my head when Mark was asked in this presser, you know, does this, what does this have to do with the timing of the Curtis Blackwell things? And he said it has nothing to do with it. To, To go from really no one expecting this to happen whatsoever to then the tweet comes out 
And then you, you, your initial reaction, as you said, Julian, was like really a tweet versus him saying like, you know, there's going to be a press conference at six o'clock today to talk about the future of the program. Then people can let their minds twirl as far as, is he retiring? Is he getting fired? Is he making coaching changes? And then it can go on, you know, TV and go, I'm, I'm stepping down today. And the fact that it was the tweet and then the press conference, and he got his, like, 10 seconds at the basketball game, it just seems like it was all so rushed. No one knew. You could tell no one knew. Right. It was all it was all so rushed that it almost came off as shady. And what bothers me— Completely agree. What, what bothers me about this whole situation is someone who— completely biased. I love this university. I love the football program. I love Mark D'Antonio. I have to think, you see this, this is just the icing on the cake of the negativity that people see about, that think about Michigan State football. All the things that, you know, again, completely something that happened in the past that I don't care to talk about of when, you know, you have the whole thing where D'Antonio and Izzo were put on the screen at ESPN with Larry Nasser in the background and they ESPN, for whatever reason, to try to, tried to rope that whole thing and put that on Mark and, and Izzo. What, if you're not educated enough on Michigan State's football program and that whole story, I feel like if you ask anyone off the street, what do you think of Michigan State football, they, they might go, yeah, dirty program. And and you see something like this that comes out about uh, with the Curtis Blackwell situation, and then you see Mark step down on national television it bugs me to think that there are probably many people out there that look at this and go, wow, that's so shady that this coach is going to retire and, and this whole allegation thing is stirring right now. It looks horrible. And aside from the point of what Collins has said perfectly about how you have left this program high and dry. You missed out on the big names that were getting hired and moving around this offseason because you've decided to wait this long. I genuinely do not believe that this was 100% Mark's decision. I don't oh. I don't know what I don't know what is going on with the Blackwell situation. Again, we keep saying his name, but we can discuss that more in depth and, and the weight that that holds, but it's it's I hate to think this way and be so so negative and and, and cynical, but to step down like that as quickly as it happened with the timing of that whole story and developing and coming out to then him going, standing on the floor at the Breslin and it's going, Hey, thanks guys. I'm out. Something stinks, man. And it, it, it hurts as a Michigan state student and a fan to think that there's something sketchy going on with the program. And you've heard these things that come out about, you know, allegations and players and whatnot, the things that could have been handled differently. And Michigan State is not the only program guilty of not handling things perfectly, but something stinks. Well, I agree with the point where if he stepped down based on the allegations, the NCAA violations that like he supposedly committed, according to Blackwell, then it would have been pretty soft because they're pretty minuscule violations. Even if they were proven to be true, he's going to get a slap on the wrist. And it's going to be like, you're going to lose like two scholarships this year or something like that. Because it was basically him. He was, they, I believe they gave jobs to players who had already signed like yeah. their letters of intents. And they, Curtis Blackwell was in an in home interview, in home recruiting trip. Which is not like the grit, like, it's not like, hey, here's a duffel bag, like, blue chips. Right. To whatever his name. What's his name, Julian? What, I'm who's sorry? Sha who's Shaq's name in blue chips? 
It's uh Bordeaux. 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 Is it now? Oh, what's Who's the, the what, What's the white guy's name who wants the money like really bad in blue chips? Never seen it. Oh shoot, I'm blanking. You've never seen blue chips? I'm bl- oh, Nick my. Nolte classic. Nick, yeah, it's Nick Nolte. Oh, I'm blanking. No, but the guy's like, I won't come to Western unless I get the bad, and he gets the bad. He does get the. Oh, I'm blanking on his name. No idea. Whatever. But I, I, I agree with you, Collins. I, for one thing, and like, to just be frank, this, this sketchiness that has been like, that's something that's already been there. These, like, as Collins said, these NCAA violations, they were minuscule. The new ones that have come out, but the whole the 2016 Corley Robertson, like, that's something that has already happened. I don't think, because I personally, you look at Beekman, I don't think anyone else forced D'Antonio out of this. Okay. I think from him, I looked at a man at that press conference who's tired. Yes, exhausted. Not just I don't think it's anything to do with the football. I think he is he is not necessarily there with his heart in the game. And I do think whether this Blackwell stuff is true, whatever you think is going to come out of this, I think the process of dealing with that, of having a former staffer with an axe to grind with him, all of that culminating in this man who has been beaten and tired and is is ready to move on to the next stage of his life. I I don't I don't think anyone from Beekman went on and told him, "Hey, you need to get out. You need to go." Cuz I just I don't see that. I don't see anyone else telling D'Antonio as a face of this university, "You have to go." I think this was his decision. I definitely think everything had a point to play in it, but I think he made this decision and he for better or for worse, took a long time to think about it and has made the decision now. Yeah, I do, I do want to just, for our, our listeners that maybe are not as informed on the situation, this Curtis Blackwell case uh, came up pretty, I think it's been going on for a little while, but there's more information that's come out. He's seeking up to, I believe, $5.5 million in damages from uh, Michigan State University, the Michigan State Police. Um, he was on Michigan State staff from 2013 until 2017. Uh, I believe this is all a wrongful termination case. Uh, he was arrested on Michigan State's campus, uh, and he, he's suing for wages that he believes he's lost over 31 years, whatever that may mean. Um, then, as you mentioned, you know what the the uh, the recruiting incidents as far as uh, Curtis Blackwell being in the room visiting recruits, which is an NCAA violation, whatever whatever the whole technicalities of that are. Uh, he also brought up, of course, the uh, when you mentioned the Donnie Corley and the Austin Robertson case, as well as, of course, Austin Robertson is facing up to, I believe, 10 years in prison um, for some sexual misconduct charges and, and, and all that. Uh, but more so along the lines of Blackwell saying, and all the coaches warned Antonio about about recruiting him and taking him, but he didn't listen and whatever. But again, that's all water under the bridge at this point. But it is, you know, to to I hate to be skeptical and think that this is something that caused him to be forced out. And we don't know, you know, uh, Antonio yet to be deposed. Mark Hollis and Luana Simon have yet to be deposed as well in this case. So there's more information that will come from this. I don't necessarily believe that anything that comes from this case will make you backtrack and look at Mark D'Antonio and go, whoa, dude, like, what's going on? I don't think it's going to affect his legacy like that as much as maybe things in the past have. And, again, everything has been pretty much cleared up and taken care of. But, you know, to your point, I agree to where you would see this guy at press conferences during the season and even in his press conference at the end of the year. He just looked exhausted. Like he lost, and we've talked about it, he, he's lost a little bit of that passion and that fire. And even in some of the words he he would choose, you know, against after Michigan State gets blown out against Michigan, he goes, I thought my guys fought hard. And you're looking at him like, really, Mark? You did think your guys fought hard? Because he just got blown out in a rivalry game. And that's not like you and not like Michigan State football. 
football. So as we've all said, there's a certain aspect to where the change is good from the football perspective, but I think there's a lot of people are still reeling from the way this happened, why it happened, and, and the timing of which this all occurred. I want to ask you guys a question. Does, does the last four years affect his legacy? Because I do think it does. I, I, I do think you will remember the way he went out in his last four years. Yeah, I'm a big believer in in you look back at a person's legacy and you look back at what they did and you have to look at the totality of everything that happened. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Rose Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, the college football playoff will all be looked at and he, he will go down as obviously the winningest coach in this program to take this program to the new heights, but he will also go down as someone who came in and in those last years and his phrase of completing the circle didn't complete the circle. Absolutely. And I think, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, these last four years, D'Antonio means nothing to me anymore. But it's something you have to go back and say, you know, he had a really great run. He defined this program and, as Colin said, had a definition, a footprint left on the, the 2010s of college football. And that's something that you always look back at, but it will always go back in your mind of, from 2016 onward, this was a a really, really rough way to end all of that. I it's a unique situation for me, again, as I've mentioned, of not being a Michigan State football fan as long as someone like Ryan Collins has to where the footprint that he left in, in my heart and in, in what I have at Michigan State football isn't as impactful as if I was a fan, you know, back in 2013, 2015 and, and all that. So I, those things to me. Outside looking in, you're going like, wow, Michigan State is a dangerous program. I this is That's a team you didn't want to play. You straight up did not want to play Michigan State football in, during the 2010 era. You didn't. Of course, 2016 and on, things were a bit different. But you have to respect and acknowledge, one, of course, undoubtedly, as Collins has said, the best coach in Michigan State football history. I don't know if you'll see better. So from that standpoint to what he's done with you as far as Winning the Big Ten titles, Rose Bowl, Cotton Bowl, college football playoff appearance, beating Ohio State, beating Michigan as much as he did. You have to respect it and admire it. Absolutely. That's and that's that's something that I watched as a Michigan fan before I came started coming to the school, which is it's something that I look back on now and I kind of puff my chest like, yeah. Oh no, we don't have to talk about the fact that I wasn't rooting for Michigan State in that game. But as a as a Michigan State student and a soon to be alumni. When I think about my time at Michigan State, I have Mark D'Antonio to thank for a lot of good football memories. What you know, of course, a lot of 500 teams while I was here and teams that really underachieved. But I still find a way to hang my hat on and pride myself on. I was in school when Mark D'Antonio retired as the greatest coach in Michigan State football history. But to answer your question, Collins, the last four years or so. You know, namely the 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 three and nine season and the the five hundreds and the going to bowls that no one cares about. Yeah, it's it it leaves a sour taste in my mouth of he's leaving on these terms. And am I confident? I was someone who wasn't ready to pull the plug on Mark, but am I confident that if he were to stay here this next year and go, I want to be coaching in the Northwestern game, but this is my last year. We're gonna you know we're we're gonna come back, complete the circle, and he's gonna leave this program ten and two, nine and three. Wasn't confident that was going to happen, but again, with the timing of all of this as far as when he retired 24 hours outside of National Signing Day and the fact of where the program is now without having made any changes, when I think back on Mark D'Antonio's legacy, I will think like, yeah, it was it was awesome. He did some tremendous things here, but towards the end it got shaky, and I remember the way he went out. It was, it was kind of shady, and it was bizarre, and 
you have to hope as a Michigan State fan that whoever this next hire is, and at the, at the latter part of the show, we will talk into some some potential candidates, but you have to hope that this guy comes in and win, and, and keeps you at least at this level. Because if you sink any lower, it's gonna be it's gonna get dicey for a couple. And I of think years. that's the thing with D'Antonio's legacy, and it's it's to me one of the the sadder things in sports is, is that we kind of have this 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 short term memory. Yes, what have you done so, for me lately? What it's so lately? based on you know what have you done for me lately? What does this whole thing look like? And I think that could D'Antonio's legacy could change based on whatever happens in the future. Because I think for a lot of people, and that includes me as well, because like you you Rubinowitz, I grew up only seeing D'Antonio and only seeing the wins and only seeing these bu- these big, beautiful moments. And I think if the next coach comes in and Michigan State is back to the, the stand days and when Collins used to watch it as a kid when it's just not great and, you know, these little bowl games that no one cares about or even less than that is the norm, then people will look back at D'Antonio with a lot more praise. Before Mark D'Antonio came here, and when Mark D'Antonio went to a bowl in his first year, it was a very, very big deal. Like when they went seven and five and went to the Champ Sports Bowl and lost to Matt Ryan, that was a very big deal. Like, like they weren't going to bowls under Bobby Williams and John L. Smith. Like we complain about six and six years, and I'm I I'm in the camp where you go, you built it. It doesn't mean you can burn it to the ground too. Like like I'm in that camp. Mm-hmm. But like when you look at it before D'Antonio, this was a program that was either going six and six, fighting for a bowl. Or they were not making a bowl and doing like four and like eight. So like he established the culture here at Michigan State the last thirteen or fourteen years. Now it's important whoever they hire, like Nets, that doesn't build upon it. But like you said, you want to say like maintain where it is now. Just understands the identity of this program and understands what it like needs to be successful yeah. because this is a program where a national title is not necessarily a goal. This is a this is a program where you win the Big Ten every what, ten years? Or like you win the Big Ten every six years, your your fan base is gonna be happy. You beat Michigan pretty consistently, your fan base is gonna be happy. It's those things. That's what college sports is like about. National title is not necessarily the goal for a lot of programs. And the goal for this program is you beat Michigan and you contend for the Big Ten. Yeah and if you can get yourself into that then whoever's nuts, if they're able to do that consistently, it doesn't matter if they're going to win 11 games like Marte Antonio. The fan base will love, like embrace and love that person. Yep, the standard has been raised for sure. Again, thanks to Marte Antonio. 13 years Michigan State's head football coach uh, retiring this week after uh, completing, maybe not completing the circle, but uh, 114 wins most in program history will go down in history as the greatest Michigan State football coach of all time. Unless something else changes. Maybe Julian Mitchell gets the job in 10 years. Hire me. That'd be awesome. I'll take it. Wow. I'm expecting a national championship if you get hired. Oh, easy. That's my standard. Easy. I'll probably commit a lot of violations, but we'll get there. <laughs> Don't incriminate yourself. <laughs> all right, we're going to have to go to a quick break here. We still have Michigan State men's basketball to talk about. If you want to join in on the show, the conversation that we're having here, whether you want to weigh in on Mark D'Antonio or Michigan State basketball on their loss to the University of Michigan yesterday, 5-1 seven eight eight four eight nine eight nine to text us you can tweet us at wdbm sports hashtag gw report do not turn the station folks this is the green and white report they all can't be as strong as we are 89 fm hey mom 
Why is the sky blue? Why don't animals talk? Why do dogs have wet noses? Why is an 11 pronounced 21? Kids ask a lot of questions. Why do I have a belly button? But you don't have to know every answer. Why is the ocean salty? Because you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Why are there 50 states? There are thousands of children in foster care who don't need every question answered. Why is pizza round? They just need you. For more information on how you can adopt, go to adoptuskids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. He's going to have to throw downfield. He's got Brandon Boyer right in his face. Thrown down towards the field. Well short of the end zone. Going to get batted down. Michigan State wins! 21-17. They stole that over the field in Michigan Sports. Now that we have your attention, volunteer positions are always open with the Impact Sports team. Get experience covering Michigan State athletics and producing sports content, including articles, podcasts, videos, live play-by-play, and so much more. No prior experience is needed. Visit impact89fm.org slash volunteer for more information. Join the team at Impact Sports. Welcome back to the Green and White Report. Ryan Rabinowitz, Julian Mitchell here with you. Ryan Collins behind the glass. Just wrapped up some talk about Mark D'Antonio. We're moving into Michigan State men's basketball now. A little salty after yesterday, Julian, not going (laughs) to lie. Uh, You were there at the game with our Trent Bally and Natalie Kerwin, also there. Yes, yeah, yeah. We were all there, all in attendance. Um, Glad you got home safely. No one one spitting in your drinks or anything over there. (laughs) No, nobody. There were some crazy fans behind us, though. These guys were were yelling and wilding. I was like, okay, y'all need to calm down. They can't hear you from the upper deck. I'm sure. Um, So we have a couple games to talk about here. Um, I I don't want to spend too much time on Penn State. Um, but obviously on, on Tuesday at home, Michigan State, a pretty surprising loss to 22-ranked Penn State. They lost that game 75-70. to So we talked a lot last Sunday about the problems this team was having. You you mentioned effort maybe as is, is being one of those things uh, and, and things that needed to be taken care of going forward. Uh, so do you think Tuesday's game was as big of a letdown as people made it out to be? Uh, I do. I do. I Just because – you you gotta win the you gotta win the ones at home, mm-hmm. and that that to me was huge. I definitely think Penn State's a better team than a lot of people gave gave credit for when they walked into East Lansing. They are a very very impressive team, and they were impressing in this win over Michigan State. They out toughed, they outworked the Spartans, and it, Lamar Stevens is that's an All American guy right there. That dude was was fantastic. Michigan State is gonna face many fours like him. Uh, that dude is is fantastic, and so I do think, in a lot of ways, people underestimated what Penn State had to bring in East Lansing. But in, in terms of what Michigan State did, this was a was a shoot yourself in the foot game. I mean, obviously, turnovers are the biggest thing. Fifteen of those lead to twenty one points by Penn State. It's just ridiculous when you 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 know you have the expectations that this team had, and you're not just losing games because the other team is better than you per se. You're losing games because. The, the effort level isn't there to start. The turnovers are absolutely egregious. And, I mean, we're going to get into it with the Michigan game, but there is no one else on this team who has shown an aggressiveness or a a ability to demand the basketball and put it on the floor and do something with it. It almost seems to me, and we can move into the Michigan game now, I'm obviously Michigan beating Michigan State yesterday 77-68 to uh, in Ann Arbor. 
it almost seems to me in watching this Michigan game especially, they Michigan State lacks this killer instinct of just buckling down, bearing down, and, and getting the job done. And I look at someone like Isaiah Livers from Michigan, who is, I believe that was his first game in a while. Yeah, yeah, he came back there. Was it was skeptical whether he would be back or not, but of course he played in that. Right, one. and they and they uh, going into the game, he was put on a quote unquote you know, minutes restriction, ended up playing thirty one minutes, scoring fourteen points. His presence was definitely felt. That's a guy to me that I think obviously makes he he's the one that he's the straw that serves the drink for Michigan basketball. But that's a guy who I look at and go, you go, you put the ball in his hands, he's knocking down shots and he's he's playing ball. You know, uh, DeJulius as well, obviously makes a, a sweet three pointer in the corner, I believe, comes back on defense, slaps the floor, crowd's going crazy. It's Awesome. You just don't really see that vibe from Michigan State. It, it, I, I just I, I get this feeling from this team that when it hits the fan, they start to get nervous and tight, and they almost just break down. And another slow start for Michigan State. And you'd like to see on the road, you have to come out and get the jump early. Do you think that the slow start was what really? I don't want to say cost them this game, but it definitely put them behind the eight ball. You have to imagine. I in some ways I do. Um, but Michigan started slow as well. This is one of those games where, uh, for Michigan State, started slow, but they were in the halftime only down six, which Wisconsin, they're down, yeah, Wisconsin down 16. Like, it, it was a slow start, but this was a very different hole for them to take themselves out of. But I, I agree with the point of the killer instinct. I just know, to me, one of the craziest things, and, and I saw it was Brennan Quinn's tweet, but he tweets when Michigan State's down one, and he's like, this game should have a lot of lead changes. This is going to get interesting. Mm-hmm. And then it didn't. It was very weird for a Michigan-Michigan State game for the Spartans to get the, the, the lead to one, cut the deficit to one, and then they didn't take the lead, didn't tie. It just stayed with Michigan. I just don't know how how you get to that point and no one was no one knocks down the jumper. I think they took a bad three at that point when down one, which led to Michigan scoring again and pushing back up the lead. But there was no knockout punch. There was no, hey, we're back in this thing. We're back at one. There was no change in energy. It just felt like the same thing from the first half to the second. Now, I have to ask, too, one of the things that I noticed in this game, and I was texting Trent Bailey and Ryan Collins about this. They disagreed. I believe Michigan State has a pretty big problem on the post as far as, obviously, you're playing John Teske, who's huge. Austin Davis is huge, much bigger than Xavier Tillman, uh, and is obviously not bigger than Marcus Bingham because he's the longest human being in the world, but more meat on him. So it's not as easy for Bingham to defend down low. We've talked about this at length. Do you think that that's a glaring problem for Michigan State as far as their ability to defend in the low post? Uh, I don't think so, uh, especially because Teske had a bad game. Teske only had seven points and was 2-8 from the field. I mean, he throws down the big lob, which does shift momentum. Thanks nice. for the music there. <laughs> but, I, I, I mean, I definitely I think as far as height-wise, it, it can be if you have a team that is a little bit taller. But I think uh, Tillman... Hall, I think they do have some toughness to him. I do think Marble is a guy that you can slot in who who has some toughness to him, has a little grit around the edges. I don't think it's it's a glaring issue, and that's where they're getting beat. Um, it obviously is something that you'll think about going forward when you play other teams, when you even play Illinois, who has a Kofi Coburn who's who's fantastic and strong down there when they play Iowa, who has Luca Garza, who's a, a beast in the low post. Um, but I don't think it's anything where I'm like, this is the reason this team is not playing well. To me, I mean, because even with rebounding, guards got rebounds against Michigan. I mean, Eli Brooks has nine rebounds. That's that's something that just can't happen. Yeah, and I think there was a certain point in the game. I don't know what the stat was, but Michigan was Michigan State was being out rebounded, especially on the offensive boards, quite egregiously. And that's something too that you don't really see. 
to be a problem for Michigan State, and it just seemed like there were a lot of times where they got lazy on the on the glass, and they weren't really fronting anyone on when when they're trying to grab rebounds. I mean, boxing out is one of the fundamental things of basketball, and they didn't seem to do it very well for the majority of the game. Um, I, I have to ask too, though, do you, looking at this Michigan State team. And this was a season, I think, so far that we probably didn't expect Michigan State to, I don't want to say be this bad, because they're not bad. But do you think that the expectation for Michigan State was maybe a little bit too high? Uh, Oh, Collins really doesn't like this He's hitting it. Collins really doesn't like Michigan State. Are you going to hit it again? You going to hit it one more time? At what point (laughs) do we blame Izzo? Like, no one's even talking about them just not showing up for the first half of these teams anymore. Like, they just don't show up. Like, the first five minutes of that Michigan-Michigan State game was painful to watch. It was so bad on both sides. I understand they're playing good defense. But, like, I don't get, like, what they're doing. Like, you understand that Cassius is going to be taken away. You have to have some other game plan at this point of the year. Like, they start poorly every single game. And then they're just like, hey, Cassius, can you get a little bit more assertive? How about in the beginning of the game, we're like, hey, Cassius, we're committed to you shooting 25 shots. I don't care if you take a couple bad ones. It's just better for the offense because right now, Gabe Brown and Aaron Henry are pedestrian. Right now, Marcus Bingham, like, he's good at home. He's not He's not a piece right now who's going to be able to travel on the road with you. And Xavier Tillman busts his ass. Like, he's he works so hard. We're, and probably one of the best defensive players in the Big Ten, but on the offense end right now, he's just not having a good year. I I just like playing Malik Hall on certain like on Lamar Stevens on Tuesday was a weird move for me. Why why Xavier Tillman didn't get that matchup? I don't know. I I I just I think there's a lot of things Izzo's doing right now where he is all about teaching lessons, which th- this is typical of a Michigan State team with high expectations. If you look at the history of this team with high expectations, they usually struggle. I think the previous two times they were ranked in the top two. And Kalen Lucas' senior year, they struggled to make the tournament that year. And then all the injuries obviously happened, Adrian Payne and Keith Appling's senior year, but that team was a number one team for about two weeks in November, and they, they're they a five-seed in the tournament, four-seed, excuse me. But, I mean, the uh, preliminary rankings come out yesterday. Michigan State's the 16th seed, number four seed. They don't even look like that. They look like they're a possible seven or six seed. Because, honestly, like the, the schedule they have coming up, it could get dicey. And they they haven't improved at all. Like Kyle Arns gives them a bright spot, and like, but he can't play more than ten minutes. He physically cannot play. Why did you bring him back if you know he can't play more than ten minutes? I I, I just I, I I honestly think Izzo White's losing games in February and January. He does. He's like, it builds character. Got to create our own adversity. And I think. For the one thing, I think, first off, looking at Penn State and Hall on Lamar Stevens, I, one, did not think Hall played a bad game on Stevens. No, he didn't. I thought he was tough, and I think the thing that Izzo is going with is if you put Tillman on Lamar Stevens, Stevens going to put on the floor and force Tillman to guard him and put him in foul trouble, which, if you look at the bench, who is he going to go to? No, I you you can't play without Cassius Winston and Tillman. I, I would say you, I would argue you could play without Cassius Winston a lot easier than you can without Tillman. And I, and I thought we saw Rocket Watts starting to come on at the Wisconsin game. He took a step back this week. He didn't have a very good week. He was he was bad against Penn State. And then Michigan, he was all right. I mean, he didn't really hurt him. He didn't really help him. They just have no pieces that help Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman. They, like, I, I saw a really funny tweet. It was like, 
more and more I watch this team, I think Kenny Goins and Matt McQuaid should have their jerseys in the rafters. Huh. Like because like they're just they were so underappreciated last year. This team is missing a shooter so bad. I then we talked about post presence and stuff, but they it's so clawed up in the lane, and they don't have one guy who can consistently hit a knockdown shot. I get Gabe Brown shooting forty percent, but when it's a big game or if it's on the road, he's not making those shots. They need to find a guy who's going to be consistently being able off like off the wing. I think Arns is that guy. He just can't play. He just is so hurt he can't play. And that, to me, is, is one of the things when you look at this team and where they are right now. That, to me, is the issue. It, it's the fact that, one, this team, when they had the high expectations, it was all about the fact that Josh Langford is coming back as well. Yes. It's all about the fact that you're going to have him, who I think, if he's in this offense right now, he's a primo shot creator who's knocking down shots for you. I don't, I don't think there's no any if ands, or buts about it. it, it and I isn't think, it crazy to think about, though, that you, you didn't really like see Cassius Winston and Josh Langford at their peak of their powers no, ever? That's sad, but go ahead. It's Sorry. crazy. Oh, no, you're good. But even so, Langford doesn't play. You're requiring Rocket Watts, who, for all his talent, still has to figure out how his speed translates to the game, how he translates to the game. You're asking him now to fill what Langford's role was. You're asking Malik Hall to be Kenny Goins. You're asking, and I granted, he is a sophomore, and it is his second year, and he should be a step better. But for everything Aaron Henry is, we all knew Aaron Henry is a guy who he struggles a bit in terms of, of turning the corner and in terms of of making the right plays and being consistent, it's a lot of now freshmen have to be better, younger guys have to be better, that you're putting on them. When last year, that was Kenny Goins and Matt McQuaid who were seniors and have had their couple go-arounds. I think, and I'm not you know, relieving any pressure of them because they have to figure this out, and if they don't, it could be you know downhill from here. But this is a team who I think people kind of have to change their expectations about what they have actually on paper out there on the floor. Because asking... You know, Foster Lawyer off the bench to be great. Asking Gabe Brown, and granted with the three-point shot, no one in the Big Ten shooting a three well outside of Ohio State. In Michigan, that was, to me, the biggest thing in this one. Rebound, second chance, they were pretty much split when you look back at the numbers. Mm -hmm. 13 second chance points for for Michigan, 14 for Michigan State. What killed them is that Xavier Simpson hit four threes. I I get that, but at the same time, when we talked about Aaron Henry and Gabe Brown, I— I, I can get when they play poorly or, or see that they're, like, not ready to take that step, but I often just see them just, like, do nothing. Like, Aaron Henry has the physical capabilities to do a lot. Like, I would rather see him turn the ball over driving in the lane than doing the two-dribble, pass it back to Cassius for late shot clock, high pick-and-roll situation, and we take a bad shot. Mission State takes a bad shot. You know what I'm saying? Like, they don't do—they have no one to help those two right now. They, they just don't. And yeah. you thought they turned a corner the first time they played Michigan. You're like, okay, maybe this team's going to start to get on a roll. Like, maybe Cassius is going to, like, put them on their back. Cassius is getting his. Like, people could say Cassius isn't the same guy. He's averaging 20 and 8. Well, he's having four people thrown at him because that's no, the game yeah. plan. And I think that's the thing that is so critical about this stretch of games. But that and, was the game plan last year. But like, they had better players. This team does not play together. Even That's though fair. the whole game plan was Winston and Tillman a season ago, you still had guys who you knew were going to knock down shots and be there in Kenny Goins and Matt McQuaid. Right now, Cassius Winston is run, running off a double team looking for someone, and he has to give the ball to a Rocky Watts who has a 50% chance of turning it over. Or traveling. Or traveling. And I think that is the difference. This team isn't together. They don't know their roles. They're not playing together and it's just Winston and Tillman are the only two players who know what they're doing out there on the floor. Do you guys have any solutions, though? Because I, I personally, I don't think there is. 
I think this team is just like I don't think this is a finished product, and I'm probably overreacting because this is what Tom Izzo teams do. Yeah. They 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 push you to the brink of ripping your all your hairs out, and then you watch in March and you're like, where was this team all year? Like they're ready to go, but like. I don't see any solution for their lineup issues. I think, for one, the second half of Aaron Henry was a huge. He was good yesterday if, in the second half. If Izzo half. runs more things like that to get him the ball, move Winston off ball, and get him just downhill going, I think that is something that you can If you see that much early on, like a first half of a game, it will look different. I think he will have some moves with the lineup. I definitely think, you know, potentially the fact of having, going back to Aaron, Brown, and maybe even a Watts or Lawyer at the two, if you just roll that kind of lineup out there with Tillman at, at the five, I think that's that's a better lineup that you will see more out of, especially if he starts to get Aaron Henry going again, getting downhill. Uh, to me, at least right now, that is the that is the change that I can see. I just think they, they still struggle to find the lineup that works to be most productive offensively, and I wanted to ask you guys, too, what you guys think that ideal lineup is because we've talked about how – Collins always very like upset about the lineups that Izzo puts out, which is well, fair enough. I mean, yesterday there was a point where Julius Marble was playing the three. Yes, that just which was that bizarre. just can't happen. He shot a fifteen foot jump shot. I didn't know he could shoot like outside of two feet. <laughs> I it just it seems like people look teams have figured out in, in in one way or another of how to how to at least I don't want to say handle catches, but Contain at least him. slow him down a bit. You know, people on people know the pick and roll with him and Tillman's coming all the time. And you quite simply, what frustrates me about Michigan State is for whatever reason they get so locked into shooting the three, and it literally never falls unless it's Cassius. I wish they would work down into the post more. Like I know that Tillman is a bit undersized when he plays against guys like Teske and Austin Davis. I know that Marcus Bingham's hit or miss down low too. But you have a guy like Julius Marble, a guy like Malik Hall that can score a little bit tighter to the basket. If there's just nothing. I don't know why they. They they stick to this perimeter game so much, and unless Cassius is, is can hit threes, they don't have anything else. Aaron Henry's hit or miss from three. Gabe Brown's the same way. I don't think Gabe Brown made it. I don't even know if Gabe Brown made a shot yesterday. I don't know if Gabe Brown played yesterday. He was <laughs> so just like an afterthought. And then when they when when I I I think there's definitely a place for for Foster Lawyer to play in the game. I'm not going to knock him for that. He's been good this year. People give he, him a hard he time. Has. He has been fine this year. He played he played roughly ten minutes against Michigan, but if he's not knocking. Down down shot, you have to yank him from the game. He, he has, has nothing, else to, he has nothing else to offer you. Like he, if you're not gonna set him up to take shots off, like just pick and pop shots, I don't know what else he's out there for. He can't defend. He looks embarrassing defensively. Like he's always tripping over his own feet because he can't catch up to guys. So if you're not gonna create shots for Foster Lawyer, I would rather have Rocket Watts out there. Rocket Watts can put the ball on the on the ground and take it to the hole. He can. He just there's just he's obviously has different liabilities in his game that make you think like maybe he shouldn't be out here as much as he is, but he's raw talent. He is. When I when you ask the question what lineup you want to see, I truly think the lineup is Cassius, Rocket, Arns, Henry, and Tillman. I think you gotta go small, like and, and just like exploit that. And like you were saying with Tillman, he's just not a low post guy. And Michigan State works better when they're inside out. They always have been. You have a guy who can work a little bit down low, and then they kick out. They got a couple yeah. shooters. They run their classic horn set. Like it, like they come off the screen, then you dump it down, and then like a Matt Costello or like Nick, even Nick Ward will like find someone or take it themselves. They get to the middle of the lane. That's what Mission State bids usually do. But Tillman is this. I thought he would become that guy, like where he can take a guy low post and like get it get his own. He just really isn't that guy. 
which is fine because he provides a lot of other things that make him such a good player. But they just they don't have a guy who could get you a bucket down low. And you thought maybe earlier in the year Kithier could like be a guy who maybe I I know he's not physically statured, but he's had good touch around the rim. Maybe he would be able to give you something. He's not even in the rotation anymore. I understand he hasn't played the last couple of games of flu, but he he's just like not. He started this year. He's playing major minutes. He had a three against Seton Hall. I, I, I was I was all on the Thomas Kither bandwagon. Now I don't like is he gonna play more than two minutes once we get into March? Like I, I don't find a solution. Like you said, like Malik Hall, like he gives you help on the offensive end, but he kills you on the defense end a lot of the times. I will say that Malik Hall has been very good since the Indiana game. He's been very, very good. I also like when they do that big lineup with Bingham. Tillman and Hall, we've talked about that. I like the three bids and maybe Rocket or Cassius or Cassius and Gabe Brown. But until they get a consistent second, like, three-point shooter, this team's going to struggle. I I think the fix is small. Uh, You think so? I I think that's the, the, the only thing I can think of, and I do think Arns is a big key. I think getting a guy and I he again it's be how much he can them. play. That's the that's the thing that I think I is also hurting is how much he can give. Because I think veteran status, that's a guy who knows what he's doing out there. He's on the floor. good. People he hustles, that, like, he's he shoots. very good. He's good. He's good. And I definitely think you substitute him for Gabe Brown, that is instantly you're getting a guy, like I said, who knows what he's doing, who's gonna knock down shots, who's already proven to you what he can and cannot do. It is all just a matter of how much can he give you. <sighs> I just don't, like, why did they sit him out for a couple weeks just to bring him back all banged up? I understand it's his senior year and he wants to be on the floor as much as he can. He, he's, like, definitely a leader in that locker room, you can definitely tell. But, like, if if you're having the same issues you were having two weeks before, why not leave him on the shelf just a little bit longer? I would like to see him hold him out maybe another two weeks, and then if it's not getting better, hey, just play it out the rest of the year. We'll give us what you can. But I, like why I don't know why they did that if they're not gonna be able to get him closer to 100. percent I know that's probably not even in the cards that he can get to 100 percent if he even sat out because that back injuries is one of those things you could get out of bed. It, it doesn't matter what you do and, and it it could be bad. But this seems really frustrating and, and and it's typical Tom Izzo like cliche or like stereotype with him that when he has high expectations, they usually fall on their face. But I, I, I this season, I'm not going to go over, like, react and say there's, there's, their ceiling is capped at a sweet 16 because I still think Aaron Henry, if he could... Like, I've seen crazier things than Aaron Henry come on and be the player he was in the NCAA tournament at the end of last year. Because if he could become that player, this team becomes a problem. It's just, like, they'll figure out... Tillman's going to start making his layups. Like, don't worry about that. Th- this team will get better. I don't doubt that, but I I just, it's sad because I thought the ceiling was a national title this year. and it, But I, at the same time, because I saw people tweeting, oh, first week in exit. Like, it, tell me, look around the whole place of college, the whole landscape of college basketball, and tell me if this team doesn't figure out what team is gi- enormously better than this team. Yeah, there's... I think you watch that Duke-North Carolina game and you see the talent discrepancy between North Carolina and Duke and you saw that like all that North Carolina could give. And that's, that, like, that showcases it. Like, it's so wide open, but like I think a Baylor team would absolutely crush Michigan State right now. Like People say there's no great teams in college basketball. Baylor is a great team in college basketball right now. Baylor the, is really good, but it's, it's not to me 
like you look around and you say, oh, this is a surefire year- lock national championship team right here. Yeah, but they were a preseason number one team in the country. But preseason was also with Langford and the potential that they may have Joey Hauser. No, and if this team has those two, those two players, then by far that's a national championship team. I think the... I think Arns is the guy we just like forget because I'll I'll be honest when I when McQuaid left I took it for granted because I just figured Kyle Arns will step into that role because last year when Kyle Arns before he got hurt and he was starting against Ohio State or when he had that dunk against Florida he yeah. was a very good player good defender and he could knock down a couple big shots but he can't play because he's so hurt like yeah like I was so curious in the beginning of the year I'm like why is he not getting minutes. Because he physically can't do it, which hurts this team a lot. There's a lot of pieces that you just expected this team were going to have. Like, you expected Aaron Henry to take a step. You expected – I think Gabe Brown has taken a step. Like, I, you can't deny he hasn't. But they not big enough to help this team, like, be the potential they're at. And I and I will say this. Cassius is just not the same Cassius, if that may – like, he's very, very good – but it's not to the point where it's like he does not miss a floater. He doesn't like miss around a rim. If he's open for three, it's going in. It's not the same vibe with that because he just has to do too much. Yeah, the look, the looks are tougher because teams realize it wasn't like last year where you spent the whole year thinking, oh, Michigan State is run by Nick Ward in the post. And now you realize this year it's Cassius Winston or bust for them. Dude, all the, all the crap people are saying about Nick Ward. I'm like it, it, like I understood he was not necessarily like the best guy in that locker room or something like that or he had an attitude. They could have used him big time this year because yep. they need a big body who can rebound the basketball and could get two points because he could he he would average sixteen points this year, at least. What, yeah. What's that look you're doing, me, Julian? I don't know because I mean if we spent the whole season of March leading up to a Final Four not caring about Nick Ward and rolling with David Tillman and Winston, I don't. Yeah, well, I don't think Ward. But they had, they makes also team... had Kenny Goins last year. They also had different pieces that exactly. complement Xavier Tillman. I think that's. I mean, I think Ward obviously would help this team with what he does, but it's it's for it's not going to be anything. No, I know. dramatically different. I do think. I I mean, it, it sounds hopeful and crazy, but give it this this Illinois, Maryland, Nebraska. I think because we've seen this before. Three losses in February has happened before. This isn't anything new. This isn't anything crazy. It's happened. If you tell me against Illinois, if they come out, they lay an egg again, they lay an egg against Maryland at home, then then sure, then we'll have a different conversation. But I think a change is coming, a change needs to come and is necessary to come, and this next stretch of games is huge for this Michigan State basketball team. I'll say the panic button is out for me. It's out on my like desk, ready <laughs> to press if they just get housed in Assembly Hall on uh, Tuesday. By the way, why did they switch? Know how Illinois used to be Assembly Hall? Did they switch that? Because there's two assembly halls in the big time. Yeah, I think so. Are you guys going to that? Uh, yeah, Trent and um, Trent, Joe Danger, and Alex McRae are all going. Nice. Yeah, excellent. Well, talking Michigan State basketball yeah. on Impact 89 FM WDBM. We will wrap it up for today. Uh, next game for Michigan State against Illinois on the road. That is Tuesday at 9 p.m. tip. Uh, again, for all things Michigan State men's basketball, stay tuned here every Sunday. Also, check out Impact Is Zone. Julian Mitchell, Trent Ballet, I believe Natalie Kerwin was on this week. Mm-hmm. I don't know who else you guys got over there. but That's uh, that's the crew. That's the crew we're rolling with. All good stuff. Uh, we will go to a quick break here. We do have Sparty Awards, folks. Actors that could play Julian and I in the movies. So uh, 
Any opinions on that? I want to shout some people out there. Uh, 517-884-8989 to text us or tweet us at WDBM Sports. Hashtag GW Report. Still a lot to do today here on the show, folks. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Green and White Report. I want you to tell all your friends about me. I'm out of here. Th- thanks again, man. It was good. Wait, time. you were uh, you were hitting it pretty hard tonight. Are you, are you good to drive? Heck yeah! I am amazing at driving. Yeah, man. You sure? I mean, I can call a cab, or we fine. can uh, we can get somebody to take you home. Yeah, you know? yeah. Don't worry. I'm good. Okay. Uh, hey, text me when you get back. Okay. Stop right there. This is stupid. He's drunk. Friends don't let friends drink and drive ever. A message from 88.9 The Impact. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Check out The Basement Thursday nights from 8 until 10. Your source for local music, live interviews, and concert information. The Basement. Only on Impact Primetime. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. Welcome back to the Let Green and White Report. Ryan Rabinowitz, Julian Mitchell, Ryan Collins. How are you? It's Oscars night, apparently. It is. Can you believe that? I always get these words, award shows confused, like Oscars, Grammys, the Screen Screen Guild, whatever. There's another one, too. Another Tony's. One. Yeah, the Tony's. Tony's a theater. I don't know. I, I get them all mixed up. But apparently the Oscars are tonight. So uh, in, in Oscar theme, we thought we would do a Sparty Awards edition of actors that could play both you and myself in the movie. So without further ado, this is this week's edition of the Sparty Awards. Ladies and gentlemen, the Green and White Report is proud to present this week's edition of the Sparty Awards, brought to you by Impact Sports. Now, here are your hosts, Ryan Rabinowitz and Julian Mitchell. Thank you, voice of Nathan Stearns. Uh, If you want to weigh in on this one, 517-884-8989, if you have any ideas of people who could play either Julian or myself, maybe even Ryan Collins. I know many people probably don't know what we look like. So I guess based on our <laughs> based on our voice and uh, personalities. Yeah, yeah, great topic for radio. This is what I look like. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't even I didn't take a lot of these as like people that I look like, of more so just like my personality and, okay. and whatnot. But I guess if you know what I look like, you can either confirm or deny. Maybe you know what here's the thing too, the dangerous thing is I think some of these that I, I throw out might make me seem like I'm better looking than I am. So. Well, everyone in movies is attractive, so it's kinda hard to Right, exactly. Yeah. I can't pick any of the ugly guys. Uh, all right, Julian. So for your uh, your first actor, go go. Oh, ahead. I gotta go first. I get to go. Okay, I'll yeah. just go with the easy one because this is. I feel like everybody's an actor who will play me. I think Kevin Hart will play me pretty well. Yeah, I just it's height wise, it works. <laughs> it, it works in other ways if you want to go in there. Personality wise, it it works there. So I, I that's it's an is an easy fit. There are there are sometimes too where you are you get, taller than Kevin Hart or no? I don't think so. I don't think I am though. How tall is Kevin Hart? That's a great question. Five. He's got to be like five four. I wanted to say five four. How tall are you? I'm. My driver's license says five three. Yeah, mine. I I embellished on my you driver's just, license. You just really just. No, I didn't do it. Okay, it wasn't disrespectful. <laughs> it going, sounded disrespectful. It's a tough loss. I. <laughs> it's a tough, <laughs> tough loss. loss. 
Um, that's a good one though. I think sometimes you get worked up and you get this like little like not squealy voice, but you get this high pitched voice that I don't see very often, and that's what reminds me of. You you kind of sound like him too a little bit. No, this squealy voice. <laughs> Maybe stop. I mean, no, Julian. Julian is not pretty usually like even keeled. That's the one pause I have with the Kevin Hart comparison. Oh, okay, that's fair enough. Because Kevin Hart's always this hyped. Yeah, he is always hyped. Yeah, yeah. I I can't. I I have moods, but yeah, I usually am. Pretty... I have moods. <laughs> what a line. <laughs> Um, my first one that I will go with, and this one might raise some, I was actually told that I look like this guy one time, not even kidding. I don't know if it was sarcastic or not. Uh, my first actor that could play me in a movie is Taylor Lautner. You see it at all? Ah, uh, ooh, that's rough. What do you mean that's what, rough? What, like 30 pounds ago? <laughs> oh, wait, come on. All right. Pounds. No, no, that's not even a disrespect. Like, Taylor Lautner, you look nothing like Taylor Lautner. Yeah, you don't Lautner. look like I was told Lautner. I look like Taylor Lautner one time. When? Back in like elementary school. Oh my goodness. A while ago. But when when Twilight was a thing. Maybe my mom said that. <laughs> <laughs> Who wasn't was nothing the, like it? <laughs> Who wasn't that said that? Not even close. It's just I don't know. It's just like the dark complexion. By the, that was one of the wildest, like random people you could have said. When <laughs> yeah. you go, Yeah, I've heard a, a couple people tell like that guy is so washed up. Like never Taylor heard of Lautner. I think so. What I, a bad I probably, I think it was my mom. That's that wild that. that that was. I don't know. I kind of. I... Taylor Lautner is a really bad name. Like, you, you hear that name and you're just like, ugh. Like, <laughs> it's just negative immediately. Okay, well, that's my first one. Not a good one. <laughs> All right, well, we'll get better. It's a, it's a kind of, it's a tough part to start. Um, My next one, Um, I think Chris, Chris, uh, Chris Tucker would be pretty good. Rush Hour. Yeah, he's a little more eccentric than than you are a though. Little bit, he's, a little bit. He's gets fired up and he Rush gets... Hour Two all time movie. I don't remember the Rush movie. Hour. I know oh, I've seen I've seen pretty much all so the Rush good. Hours, but I don't remember it very well. The karaoke scene. Oh, God. So what good. a film. <laughs> Josh, those were funny. Chris Tucker. Really huh? good. Really good. Yeah, I mean, I, I is Chris Tucker like in anything? I haven't seen him in movies in a while. Didn't they make a? Wasn't there? He was in Silver Linings Playbook. I know that. Yeah, he was. Wasn't there? He didn't they was, try to make a Rush a Hour TV movie, show? I, I I think so, but I don't think he was in it. Okay, I couldn't remember if he was in it or not. But yeah, he was in Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah, that's, that's great that's the movie, latest dude. Thing. That's a great really good great movie. movie. Um, I will build off of that actually because my next one is Bradley Cooper. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I hope I hope some of my family members are listening to the show because my grandma God lover. My uncle Pat grew out his hair this year, and he has a beard, and so he kind of looks like Jackson from like. I did the same thing. That's why I grew my hair out. Remember when my hair was long? Yeah. Yeah, I don't. You didn't. I was. It was mostly in the summertime because you guys didn't see it. I saw Star is Born, and I was like, "That's what I need to look like." If there, were, I, I, I was like, "I have to look like this." So I well, grew my hair out, grew the beard out. It was close. Well, my grandma just told my uncle Pat like. Hey Bradley, and he just hates it. Like I would love it. it, dude. I love Bradley Cooper. Yeah, but you don't look like. Uh, yep. But it's not so much. A little it's bit. not so much the looks. It's no. more so. I think he he's very versatile. With like he can be funny. Like he gets very worked up in The Hangover, and then you have like Silver Linings Playbook, was like he's really emotional, and you know that's where I I got the range. Okay. And he's country music guy, and Star is Born. So, I also kind of play the guitar. Yeah. It's kind of. It's not. It's better than your Taylor Lautner one. I'll say that. Taylor Lautner was that was just just a wild answer. Crazy. Well, yeah. I don't. Again, it might have been my mom. I don't know. I do like Bradley Cooper. I think that's Bradley Cooper is so cool. 
Like he's like the guy who like wears a Rafa like Nadal hat or like Roger Federer hat at like Wimbledon. He's got like sunglasses oh, yes. on. He's like fist pumping. He's like that level of fame. Yeah, like that guy's so cool. <laughs> I think this is Maddie that just texted in and said Rob McElhaney is Collins, Chris Red is Julian, and Andy Sandberg is myself. Rob McElhaney from Always Sunny. Sure. Is that I don't watch that show. I think so. Yeah, it sounds familiar. I don't watch that show. I have a buddy who's literally twins with Rob Matalini. Really? Yeah. Who's Chris Red? I gotta look oh, this guy Saturday Night Live. I had to look him up too because I Red. I know the name. The name popped in, but I couldn't remember what he looked like. <laughs> <laughs> what does he look like? This guy's so funny looking, dude. He looks like the, he looks like the Black Mister Potato Head kind of. Oh, yeah. You probably Collins. You'll know him when you see him. Oh, that he's one of the guys you know his face. Oh. He, yeah. Wow. Oh, dude, he's in a he's in Pop Star. Never saw Pop. Yeah. Great movie. That's a really good movie. <laughs> Andy Connor Sam- for real, baby. Andy Sandberg is so ugly though. I kind of. Oh come on, give me a break. He's not very good looking at all. Yeah, but he's funny. Who cares? Wow. Yeah, all right, Julian. Okay, I'm one. a little Chris Red. I could have got a better looking guy than your that, but that's one. okay. Um, my next one, I always has. You guys have seen the new Captain America's with the Falcon and everything. Oh, yes. I think oh, Anthony Mackie yeah, did a pretty yeah, good yeah, job. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, baby. I cannot <laughs> wait for that series on Disney+. Plus. Dude, I didn't have Disney+. Plus. My friend texted me the other day. He's like, yo, we're going half. And I was like, "Worth it." you're right. It has to happen. I, like, oh, dude, Bucky Barnes. That guy yeah. rules. Fire me up. So yeah. Dude, I Winter love Soldier. Bucky Barnes. Dude, oh, I'm going to miss Cap, though. That, yeah. It's a happy That's now, a tear. <sighs> I, I, lo- I love happy. Marvel movies. So tight. I'm excited. Okay, my next one. This is my actually my favorite actor of all time, Vince Vaughn. Goat, I love Vince. I Dude. love Vince Vaughn more than I've, anything. I've made an argument, and I have always said this around my family that Vince Vaughn should have won, should have won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor in Wedding Crashers. He that, was that good at that movie. Wedding Wedding Crashers. I will go on record saying this. I have probably seen Wedding Crashers. I'm not even exaggerating. I've probably seen Wedding Crashers 15 to 25 times. I laugh just as hard every time I watch it's, it. That, that's he, a ugh. classic. Four Christmases. I yes, dude. Four, <laughs> Cal, have you seen Four Christmases? It's a great movie. Welcome to the Octagon, son. I love, dude. I <laughs> no the I best part of the movie, the whole movie. There's just like, yeah, we were best friends, and so he started dating my mom. Yeah, it's like I just want to be your. I'm not trying to be your dad. He's like, <laughs> yeah, I just want to so be your funny. friend. I go, we were friends. You were my best friend. <laughs> we used <laughs> to sniff each other's hands. Yeah, he started dating my mom. Yeah. I, Vince Vaughn, I just think there's sometimes where I get on these ranch, I just start rambling and just going, and Vince Vaughn can go from here, from there, whatever. He's going to sell you on this, and then boot. I, I, the same, Have you ever same seen way. a dilemma with him and Kevin James? No. Pretty ah, good. Wait, wait, wait. What happens in that movie? It's where, like, Channy Tatum is banging Kevin James' wife, who's Minota Ryder, and then, and then Vince Vaughn finds out, and he doesn't know how to yes, tell him. Yes, Great movie. Yes, Great yes. Movie. <laughs> Dude, I, I love Vince Vaughn. My favorite actor. But that's yeah, really I think good. I really do, good. I think I could do Internship was not as good, but still fun. Uh, it's still, oh, so, dude, Internship mm. was great. I, I Internship enjoyed had it. A, Internship's one of those movies. It's like a Nancy Myers movie. You're just like, you know what? I'm heartwarmed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I'm happy. Yeah. Good for those guys. Good for those guys. All right. My, uh, my next one, this is uh, probably my favorite actor, Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, That's, same. I, that would. He's awesome. Great. Greatness. What, how, what do you know Michael B. Jordan as? As like I'm as a, his character, I really, really love Fruitvale Station. Never seen it. It's like the, I know for Friday. You're probably gonna say Friday Night Lights. Vince, I see, I Vince see, is Vince electric, dude. I like. I'm a huge Rocky fan, and like Creed, yeah, yeah. And I, my family, huge Friday Night like Friday Night Lights fan. So we were like, 
oh, who's going to play like Creed's son? And I saw it was Michael B. Jordan. I could have ran through a wall. I'll do anything for Vince. Vince Howard, the dote. I literally, like, I, I think about this a lot. Like, I love Matt Saracen. Fantastic. Dude, oh, but if we, they it, gave the whole series to Vince Howard. Uh, yeah, I, but Riggins is, is great. Riggins is so sick. But uh, Friday Night Lights, what a show. Such a good show. No, no but. I've never seen it. Matt Saracen's kind of stinks. I, I don't care. Like, I hate Julie Taylor with, like, all my heart. Oh, Julie Taylor's the worst. Maybe the, the worst, worst character in TV history, Julie Taylor. She stinks, but. Yeah, Vince Howard, the goat. I've never seen, I've seen the movie, but I know they're not really. Oh, you gotta, you, you, you gotta, you gotta the watch show. the show. It's okay, an all timer. Uh, my next one, and I just, I don't, I don't want to be. I'm gonna say Fat Jonah Hill, because he was better when he was fat. Oh come on! But that's what a lot of people say about me. Really? I was better when I was fat. I, I, I always say this too. Kids that were fat when they were kids turned out to be the best people. Yeah, because they got character. They do. You're mm-hmm. absolutely right. They do. No, but Jonah Hill. You know what? Eh, I don't see you as Jonah Hill. Yeah. Really? No. You know what I kind of like for you? I kind of like Miles Teller. I don't know who that That's is. That's the work. biggest compliment you can get. Miles Wait. Teller, have you ever seen War Dogs? Nope. Uh, see Whiplash? That, yeah. awkward, that awkward moment Dude, with Michael so B. Ugly. Jordan, Zach Efron, that, and Miles Teller. Great rom com. Great rom com. I, I, yeah, I've, I've seen clips of Whiplash. Why? What about him? What did I do? You kind of got that like personality. It's nice yeah. personality. Okay. Well, same same sort of humor. I want to Jonah. I don't know. That awkward moment up there with my favorite okay. movies. Well, that's, that's a good one. I, that's I, my, I really love that movie. That's my fourth one. So the movie's hilarious. Okay. Um, my last one, and I just think because I love him so much, and I just I would love to have him betray me. Will Smith. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with Will Smith. Just love that man. Will Smith, though, like, is it like weird that I don't think of him as a Fresh Prince? Like, what do you I think of him as. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. It's just like as Will Smith in like Bad Boys. That's what I think of Will Smith as. Like, I didn't really watch Fresh Prince that much. Like, I would always watch it Nick at Night because I'm not a psychopath who doesn't watch Nick at Night when they're younger. But, like, <laughs> but, but like, I wasn't like a diehard like Fresh Prince guy. Yeah, I wasn't either, but I watched it. I, I, oh. I think of him as the Fresh Prince. I was a big Prince. Fresh Prince. I do. I, I see what you're saying. No, I'm saying because though, I he's should. Done though. so much. Yeah. And he has built up this like, I'm Will Smith. Yeah. And it's just like him. Will because Smith. even the Fresh Prince, like he's the Fresh Prince, oh. but the Fresh Prince was Will Smith. I dude, uh, Uncle Phil on that show rules. Dude. Love Uncle Phil. Dude, I shed a tear every, the the scene about his dad. I cried oh yeah, where they yeah they show that on Twitter. Oh my goodness. Yeah that yeah they shouldn't have done that. That was too sad for. Apparently TV. that was improv. Like apparently he was drawing on his emotions from real really? life experiences. Yeah, yeah allegedly. Um, my last one, this is tough, because I know, uh, whatever I say, you guys are just going to criticize me for, because you think I'm not as good looking as these people. Well, none of us are as good looking as these people. Yeah. They're in, in movies, so. Yeah, I, uh, I would probably say, because of his versatility, because again, he can be funny, he's got the soft side to him, uh, I'd say Ryan Gosling. <laughs> like, the notebook, <laughs> I, like, I vibe with notebook Ryan <laughs> Gosling. Yeah. I, okay. I do. I vibe with them. Like I think that you I just can... write letters to the love of your life. What do you want? What do you want? <laughs> I, that's I can. I do wrote that. you every day. I think I can channel that energy. I've been there. I feel that. You've been there. You've oh yeah, been La La Land too. Ooh, I do. I he's La La Land most overrated movie in the that's decade. Not, that's, that's that's. I gotta see it. You know what's a really good that. Ryan Gosling movie? The movie Drive. 
Yeah, Never seen good. it. Heard it's awesome. Best Ryan Gosling movie is Crazy Stupid Love. Convince me otherwise. Unreal movie. Unreal. Movie. <laughs> Such a Con- good movie. <laughs> Marissa Tomei uh, is that her? Yeah, Marissa yeah, Tomei's Marissa character. Tomei. Great character in Dude. that movie. Where Steve Carell like Bane's his son's teacher. Yeah, <laughs> it's so. I funny. tell you, everyone was talking about her for Aunt May. Marissa Aunt May, Tomei, the Crazy Stupid Love. Yeah. <laughs> Come at me. But I would say Ryan Gosling. Every I time know. I think of Marissa Tomei, I just think of that one Seinfeld episode. I don't know if you guys watch Seinfeld, where George Costanza is trying to get out of a relationship with like his fiance so he could date Marissa Tomei. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. I my player comp is always George Costanza. Like all Jason my, Alexander. All my friends yeah, but all my friends are just like you are you are George. I'm like, eh. I, I do <sighs> George is an insane person, but you kind of got a couple traits. Like when you go get mad, <laughs> just that like the anger's George Costanza to a T. Like there's certain things that just tick you off, like George does. George George Costanza, I think, is the best character in television history. I love Costanza. funniest person. I love ever. Costanza. The yeah. the Billie Eilish bad boy thing going around like the last couple of weeks. Have you not? I mean, the, the last like, year. No. The bad guy, and it's just like that episode of the Seinfeld where George is the bad guy. It's the funniest thing <laughs> I've ever seen. I haven't seen it. I have not seen it. I like that. Um, but all right. I will say a special last yes. one because I have to because we're talking Go. about actors and, and actresses. Yeah. Things in Daya would kill me too. The love of my life would do a really good job playing me in a movie. How? I, I don't. I, just, Did you see she's dating a guy from? Uh, we're not talking about that. The dating a guy from what's her show? Euphoria. Euphoria. By the way, don't watch Euphoria, listeners. If your people are actually listening, that show scares me and okay. like a lot. I <laughs> like the fact that those things could be happening at a high school. Like really scare me. Yeah, I was you. If you're gonna watch it, watch it. Don't watch it with other people because it's a strange experience watching with other people. And if you do watch, no, it, watch it with your parents. That is that sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> that is nightmare inducing. Uh, Ryan, were you doing cocaine in high school? No, Mom, I wasn't, because this is inaccurate. <laughs> this isn't real. But... And a horrible ending to the first season. I don't know. This has been a wild... I don't think we've talked about movies on the Green and White Report. We haven't, but we no, need to. We should. We could, we'll table it for another day. But that was Sparty Awards today. Um, That was good. That was good. Happy, happy Oscar watching tonight. I hope... Uh, I, I'm curious to see what the Joker does. I don't know if the Joker deserves Best Picture. I loved Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I just saw so, that on Friday. I love that. That movie. movie's crazy. Yeah. Um. I uh, there's that one scene where he's in his trailer, Rick Dalton, and he's throwing. And he his, gets mad. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one of the funniest scenes of all time. Um. All right, though, we will go to a quick break here. We still have some things left to do. We'll do MSU hockey for a bit. Uh. We do want to talk Michigan State football coaching job search. Some opinions on that. Uh, if we have time, we'll throw in the bachelor stuff. Maybe a quick power rankings. I teased it earlier. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Um, but either way, a lot to do here on the Green and White Report. Don't go anywhere, folks. We will be right back after this. They all can't be as strong as we are. 89 FM. Attention listeners, step right up. Who wants to win a fabulous prize? Really? How do I win? Just tune in to the top five at five. You can win a fabulous prize just by listening in. No way! How's it work? Listen to The Impact every weekday at 5 p.m. We'll count down the top five songs, then you can call in to win concert tickets, movie passes, and other prizes. Only on 88.9 The Impact. Fabulous prize. At highway speeds, the average text takes your eyes off the road for about five seconds. That's enough time to travel the length of a football field. StopTextsStopRex.org Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
All right, welcome back to the Green and White Report. Uh, a couple things left to do here on the show. Let's talk some hockey. You guys want to talk some hockey? Talk some hockey. We want to talk some hockey, Julian. Uh, Ryan Collins, our resident uh, hockey man over here. Uh, two uh, two big games for Michigan State this weekend. They traveled to Minnesota. They lost the first game on Friday, 4-1. to one. They won the second game Saturday, 4-2. to two. Huge comeback. Three goals in the third period. Uh, by the way, Collins, I texted you. I, were you watching the game on Saturday by chance? Uh, I was not. Why did it go? You text, did it go yeah, out? I, I was watching. I think it was on It was Fox on FS1 Sports. Plus. Yeah, whatever it was, I was watching the game, and it was like mid-third period, and I got a, a, a notification that uh, I think they gave it to Boutros Kafari. It could have been Tommy Miller. Um, but whoever scored that, that tying goal to make it 2-2, I was like, oh, they scored, and then I look at the TV, and it's like bull. There's like bull riding or like BMS. I didn't even know what it was. <laughs> they flipped the script on me, and I couldn't find it again. I got Hulu Plus or whatever, Hulu yeah. Live, and I'm trying to flip through. There's no college hockey Hulu. anywhere. Hulu has live sports. Hulu has live sports. Yeah, Great unreal. Commercials. Yeah, unreal. Good job, Tom Brady. Um, but yeah, uh, first game Friday, you watched that one. They obviously a tough one, four to one. That first line with uh, who's that first line? Sammy Walker. For Minnesota. Yeah, Rata. Yeah, that, Sampo, abs- Rata that absolutely ruined Michigan State all night yeah. long. So uh, I guess your thoughts and takeaways from that game. My thoughts and takeaways start with, why does Minnesota have an Olympic sheet? I hate it. I was watching Colorado College. I was watching a couple nights ago, too. It's the same thing. They have those deep corners. But why? I don't get why Minnesota has an Olympic sheet. It like made zero sense to me. I don't know. Some I, I think, obviously, it's the construction of how of how the, uh, the arena is built. I know they play... Don't they play basketball there too? Maybe? No, they don't. They, they don't? play at the barn. That's why I don't get it. The barn. I don't know. Interesting. Because Value City and the Cole Center, where Wisconsin Ohio State play, they have the Olympic sheet. It that's like such a like. You know, me and my buddies were talking about like what an advantage to have like practicing on that compared to not like yeah. Michigan State does. Like like you're definitely you definitely have lighter legs. Yeah. When you're like when you get in that situation of playing that Olympic sheet, but I don't know. That's weird to me. I didn't get that. But I mean, on Friday they just kind of came out dead. It wasn't really a great effort. I mean, Letheman wasn't great. Had a couple bad bounces. Like that third goal he let up was not. I was it third or the second where the kind of just slid past his right pad. It, it, it was a tough bounce, but I, I overall on the weekend them being able to get three points is fine. They did what they had to do. They had to get at least three points, and they did that. Yeah, I, I think coming into this weekend, we've been talking about how this team needs a sweep really badly. And I don't know when the last time they done it. They they did it was I think it has been a while. Um, might have been Michigan. I think was the last sweep, and that was obviously a couple months ago. Um, but M- Minnesota's been a team that's really been coming on late. Uh, a yeah, team that was at the good. bottom of the Big Ten uh, for a pretty long time, and now sit third in the Big Ten behind Michigan State. The standings as these as they'll have it. Uh, Penn State in the lead of the Big Ten with 33 points. Then you have a tie for second place between Michigan State, Minnesota, and Ohio State at 31. Then you have Notre Dame's knocking on the door with 28, Michigan with 27. Wisconsin's kind of played themselves out of uh, the Big Ten race here, but uh, you look at these games, it's always tough to play uh, in Minnesota. Obviously, it's it's the the hockey state. Ohio State got swept by Minnesota, I believe, last weekend or two weekends ago, something that no one really expected for them to do. But Minnesota has a lot of young talent that's coming along late. Uh, that first line, again, led by Sammy Walker, I believe that's his first name. There's a Johnny Walker that's in Arizona State, and then Sammy Walker. Uh, Sammy Walker is correct. Yeah, they always, I always get them mixed up. But uh 
But either way, coming out of that after the first game, I got, I got nervous of, like, they need to pick up points in the second game. I didn't think anyone expected them to sweep in Minnesota. At least I didn't, knowing how tough it is to play at that arena. But you get the win on, on Saturday night. You got three goals in the third period. This team has sh- consistently shown you that it doesn't matter – where they are going into the third period if they're down, they have an ability to come and play from behind. And, yes. and I, I think that I mean, Kodaranko gets another goal for you. He's obviously your your best player as far as – Boutrous. Boutrous Kafari. The Spartan All-Access was on Boutrous Kafari this week. so Very interesting too. That. Yeah. Um, I think these guys top to bottom have kind of figured out uh, how to play together. And, I just, and you hear all year long about how the locker room is so tight and everyone's really bought into the program. So – um, but but a huge win to get on Saturday, and now as I said, your second place in the Big Ten, uh, your schedule does not get any easier because Michigan is a team that's come on kind of late as well. Yeah. Um, you'll see Michigan starting next Friday, and you have Ohio State and Notre Dame. So these are these are six of the most crucial games this program has played in years. Years, like yeah. years, and you can probably think about. I think it was Anastas is like third year. They were sort of decent, like they were ranked or something. But you look at the standings, they're two games back to Penn State with two games in hand. Minnesota them are both tied for second place. And Ohio State, but they have two games in hand on Ohio State. They have 31 points. Penn State has 33. You come into this weekend and it's Michigan. And Friday at Munn is going to be a wasp mess. The game's already sold out. They, they're not selling tickets anymore. Yeah, I, I'm curious to see if they sell standing room only tickets like they did for Penn State. I would assume they would. Gonna need one. But that's an environment, and that like if they're able to just, I, I'm not like I hate doing this because like hey if they do this they're for real because like they are for real. Like yeah. I, I'm tired of like making like assumptions like that. They are for real, and you get down to these last six teams of the year. If you're able to win the Big Ten, that should be able to get you into the tournament. Like yeah. the regular season crown of the Big Ten, yet should give you like credibility and enough cachet to get you an at-large bid. I go back and forth because I know that I don't necessarily think there's technically a regular season champ in the Big Ten. That I not, just think, not sure. I think it's just like the tournament counts as it, but I I don't know. But finishing first in the Big Ten in points would be massive for this program and. Just the one question I have is, can they win on the road Like as we get down the stretch? I think they have one more road series. At, at Notre Dame. At Notre year. Dame. I, like, if they could, they just need one road sweep. If they could, they like, I thought Minnesota could have been that. I, I know it's hard to do that. But they need to go on the road and be able to get, like, f- four points or something. Yeah. And, and, and I think they'll be able to win the conference because, at, like, the the environment you're going to play at Munn, the next couple times are to be insane. Yeah. You uh you look at the standings here, and obviously, as I said, Michigan State and Ohio State are deadlocked now. Other teams still have games to play, but the biggest glaring thing for me is as far as head-to-head goes, the only team that Michigan State has struggled against this year is Ohio State. They're 0-2 against Ohio State. So I think it's a non-negotiable for them to – they have to sweep Michigan. You have to get them at home. You're going to go play them at LCA, so hopefully you get that one too. You're a better weird, team than them Weird way to too. Friday, Monday. Yeah, it is It is bizarre, um, but you have to get those two. Notre Dame at the end of the season, you're 1-0-1 against them. Uh, they're a bit further down the standings, but that's that, this Ohio State series that you're going to see at home for your last home series at Mon, of course, you know, hopefully they get some games at home 
for the Big Ten tournament. They will. They will you, at you, this point. You have to split that series w- without a doubt. I mean, if you lose two again to Ohio State, you're going to be 0-4 against them on the year. Uh, Ohio State will be there at the end right next to you, yeah. as they are right now. So it's incredible. I, it, this this Big Ten hockey and, you know, obviously there's not as, as many teams in the Big Ten as there is for, like, you know, NCHC and the WCHA and all this and whatnot, Hockey East. But at the same time, I mean, to be – to have – all these teams are what the six points ahead yeah. of, of Michigan is is Penn State and Michigan's in sixth. I mean, it's crazy. and Michigan's playing good hockey right now. They Michigan have, yeah. State like they just put eight goals up on Wisconsin like last night. And Strassman has had a really good year in net yep. for the Wolverines. Yep. So it, like they're no slouch. Like they they got off to a really slow start. They have a lot of talent. They'll be ready to play in East Lansing. And like I think Friday is a must win if they want to win the Big Ten. I I think you could afford maybe an OT loss in the duel in the D, but, like, you have to defend your home ice at this point of the season if you want to win the Big Ten. And, and last thing I, like, want to talk – like, you talked about the Big Ten. Just imagine if they funneled the proper resources into this conference and funded some more teams in your conference that get teams. Because this, if this league could possibly get up to eight or ten teams, it would be a better league. It has seven teams in it. Yeah. And, I, I mean, and they're Illinois... all hockey-rich programs and hockey-rich states, but, like – you get Illinois in the midst. Yep. You might get Rutgers in the midst, like Indiana in the midst, maybe. Like now you're cooking with some gas. So uh, yeah. I, 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 the Big Ten Conference, while it is like really like dominant and stuff, it's still lacking in the sense where it could just be way better. Yeah, Illinois is the next team that's knocking on the door to come in. I think there's, I don't know what the plan is as far as they're trying to build an arena. I know that. Yeah, so that's that's coming up next. But yeah, again, Big Ten hockey's great this year. Uh, Michigan State will play Michigan at Mon on Friday the 14th, 6 p.m. Valentine's Day. Take a take a lady out there. Yeah. Why not, Collins? We'll get yeah. you a date for the first time. Okay, jeez. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, on that note, though, let's do some quick Bachelor, and then we can talk about our the, the coaching search. Um, we talked in the final rows with Steph and Maddie, obviously. Um, so go listen to that podcast because that's all of our, our Bachelor stuff. Um, what should we talk about? Should we do some power rankings? Power how we, rankings. How are we feeling? Okay, so after last two episodes, a lot of stuff going on. Two episodes on. this week. Yeah, two episodes this week. Uh, Alea, gone. See ya. Goodbye. How are you? <laughs> um, the Cleveland date, they went to Chile. Obviously, Peter hit his head on the golf cart. He's an idiot. Uh, he's a loop fool. Um, I don't know. Tammy and Kelsey was a big thing. Tammy's accusing her of being a, a drug addict and alcoholic Popping and whatnot. Popping pills. Uh, what else is going on? Kelly making a push. My girl, Kelly. Uh, big stuff from her. The only real human being on the show that's not a a robot. That is don't a, like a Kelly. Fact. How do you not like Kelly? I don't know. I don't know. I I don't like Kelly because everyone likes Kelly. That's why it's the contrarian <laughs> in my mind. Yeah, that's just yeah. whatever counts. Um, then obviously the rose ceremony was was crazy with all the girls all of a sudden have get their last word in. Uh, we say goodbye to Lexi. Unfortunately, Shean gone. Um, and then, yeah, McKenna's a mess. That was, like, the big thing that it took that away was, from the I, yeah, episodes. I'm glad we're, we're done with McKenna because she was driving me up a wall every time she she cried. She complained about getting any time. She The only thing I will miss is she made very strange facial expressions, which the tongue. were absolutely hilarious. The tongue, whenever she would, like, pout and just look like a little child who just had her blanket taken away. Like, Yeah. All of those facial expressions will be will be missed from McKenna, from my Kenna. Yes, my Kenna. Um, she'll be back though, Bachelor in Paradise, definitely. Her and Tammy, I think, are locks to be on Bachelor in Paradise. That'd be legendary. Uh, what else happened? Uh, the Victorias, Victoria P is gone now. That is that I, was bizarre. Collins, ha- have you seen that happen before? 
where there'll be a girl like Victoria Pugh. I feel like everybody had her as a hometown lock, and then they just go have a conversation, and Pete's like, I just don't see this. That was like that was wild. Okay, like, I didn't like, know if it was just me because I was like, this is well. Insane. I I think she. I think we all thought she was a lot for the hometown after the beginning, and then once she kind of got in the mud with Alea, you kind of yeah. saw like the producers take a little turn on her, like her and Sydney like making fun of like who who are they making Tammy? Tammy, yeah, they made fun yeah, of Tammy. It, it, they like didn't look good. This like looked like mean girl, and like it, it was weird to me, and like yeah. uh, uncomfortable almost. So I like. It kind of flipped on that. Like, I think the writing was on the wall, but, like, the way it happened was wild. Like, I was like, uh, she's going home? What? <laughs> like, and the way she's like, can I sit on your lap? He's like, I don't think you can be my wife. It's yeah, like, wow. Like, what? Crazy. What a move. Yeah. That was a power move from Pete. Like, he has not had many. Pete, that was one right there. He's mush. Peter's mush. <laughs> yeah, Dude. he's still mush, but he, he tried. He tried to make up for it. I, I'm, I'm tired of the Pete slander. Oh, come Dude, on. Dude, I'm tired of it. People like, what do you want? Do you want a guy like, like you want Ari? Like, I, that, I, I always bring up Ari because I just hated that guy so much. Ari stunk Nick Vile stinks. I hate that Nick Vile gets to tweet and act like he's a bachelor authority. I'm like, dude, you stunk when you're on the show. The only thing you did good is when you like Bane Caitlin Bristow mid season. That was the only thing you've ever done good for the Bachelor <laughs> universe. So stop talking on Twitter. But like. Pete, like, I get it that he, like, just apologizes and he comes off as, like, this weak man. But I've come to the point, nobody likes The Bachelor. They don't, nobody, it doesn't matter who it is, no one will like it. Um, until they get, like, a universal guy like Mike, which I think they should do next season of The Bachelor, bring Mike Johnson back in the midst, because that guy's electric. But, like, they don't like the guy, and then they like The Bachelorette. Like, they always like The Bachelorette. Am I saying that right, by the way? The Bachelorette? Yeah. yeah. I felt yeah. like I was leaving the R out like Bachelor, when I was like pronouncing Bachelorette? it. Bachelorette? Yeah. Bachelorette. Bachelorette. But my power rankings, Madison, number one. I've been saying it since week one. She's winning the show. And I, I love watching Auburn basketball now and just looking at her dad <laughs> at the sideline. That's the Bruce Pearl. I'm like, oh, that's Madison's dad. <laughs> like, I act like I know the guy. That's but so funny. That's going to be a great hometown. Really, you already know they're they're going to have a talk about if I could have her hand in marriage while they're shooting hoops. Yeah, <laughs> so funny. So I really want to be like just for one day, pretend like I'm a student journalist over there at Auburn, and I'd show up to practice and ask ask him that question. How do you feel about your daughter being on The Bachelor? Like I I just want to know. You think anyone's asked him about that? That's what I want to know. I, Where are the real questions? Well. If she won, he like can't talk about it because she's oh, yeah, contractually she like right. obligated to do that. But like, that is what dude. That imagine being like a kid on the team. Yeah, I mean, you obviously know this girl if it's an assistant yeah. coach. Like, she's probably around the program a lot. You're just rooting for her and stuff. Like, that'd be it. That'd be, <laughs> I feel like that'd be a good parties. team morale, dude. You know what I will say though? That's great bizarre. team morale follow, for all basketball. I follow Hannah Ann on Instagram. She posts a lot of pictures with Pete. Like like they, after, I the think ep- they're... after the episodes come out, she'll post a picture of them like That's on the trip. That's how it works though. Just kind of, kind of got me scratching my head. I will say that. That's another thing when you watch The Bachelor, you start looking at people's social yeah. media. Yeah, you and should. You're like, I, you shouldn't be allowed to do that. You shouldn't be allowed to post pictures with them until after the show's over. Why do you think Hannah Ann like already won? She's just post. Because I mean, everyone does else... that. Oh, everyone does. Yeah, everyone posts that. pictures like, like with Pete after the. Yeah, episodes. but if I if I was someone who got sent home. And I, I knew, like, obviously, watching the episodes as they come out, knowing that I wasn't ending up with him, why would I post pictures with him? 
Like if yeah. I'm Victoria P, why would I post a picture of, of me and Pete? For the clout. And maybe they posted before. Like as a this episode's coming on tonight. I don't know, man. I don't know. Just sketchy, I don't know. but that's definitely a part of it. Your power rankings, Julian. Uh, well, Madison yeah. Madison's, Madison's number Madison's one. Ma- okay, clearly number first one. of all, I didn't even get to finish mine. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Whatever. Go. Madison ahead. one. Kate. Two. Hannah Ann. I think I, she had a big episode this week. And then three. Everyone says Kelly. It's not Kelly. Victoria F. Okay. Victoria F is like if Pete like really likes her for some reason. I don't get it, but like, it makes yeah. absolutely no sense. Like he's like in love with this chick. He said, he, he, she's like she he she dated Chase Rice. I'm in. I'm in. Like, that's what, like that's <laughs> that what means he's Chase like. Rice is he coming to our wedding, Chase right? Rice. Yeah, yeah. He just loves Chase Rice. He's like, bro, can you play Ready Set Let's Roll like at our wedding? He's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Uh, I'll go Madison first. The rest of them are kind of like just throwing it around for me. I have Kelly at two, just because I do think. They are. They have a legitimate connection. Hannah Ann would be three. I just feel like he knows nothing about Hannah Ann, and just like wow, this girl's hot and says everything perfectly. And I'm a little like by the promos, I think they they're gonna have another moment here, or Hannah Ann might have a little bit of a breakdown, or Pete makes her breakdown. Whatever happens. Yeah. Uh, then I got Victoria F. I I yeah, I don't understand their relationship at all, but she's still here. I really the last two I could care less for. They just need to be off the show. It's Kelly and Natasha because Natasha's only on here to be the diversity. Yeah, Kel- yeah. <laughs> like, Kelsey, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say this, Julian. I want to say that, but I can't say that because I'm like, <laughs> like no. But like that's you're completely right. They do that. They like they never give her screen time. She hasn't been on a one on one date, and she's like in the final five. Like, it's wild. insane. Yeah. I thought I was surprised Cindy went home. I was, I, too. That was a shocker. I was, but she stinks. I'm glad she's gone. No, no. Yeah, Sydney does stink. Also, very funny that Sydney was being put on blast about, yeah. like, no one liking her in high <laughs> yeah. school. And then she's, like, homecoming queen, prom queen, like, all this. It was so funny. Yeah. Uh, my power rankings would be Madison 1, Hannah Ann 2, Kelly 3. Okay. Victoria F, outside looking in. Outside looking in. <laughs> she's she's making bubble. it to hometowns? This is a big episode this week. Maybe. Also, yes. Wait. Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, you think she is. Yeah, how many? Okay. We got seven or six left. Six. six. That's what I have yeah. a question for you. You like Kelsey though? You think Kelsey's going to the hometown? Oh, for sure. Kelsey's making it to hometown. Really? He mm. likes Kelsey a lot. I don't know. Why. I don't think he likes. Like, who who are we talking about? Who's the girl I don't like? I forgot her name. Oh, Kelly. Kelly. No, yeah. I, I don't think, I think he likes Kelly's Kelly. Not going to make a hometown. I I just don't think he like likes Kelly. Disagree. She's going to go. I think he likes her, but I think something's going to happen to where either I think Kelly gets fed up. Of everything. They did bang in that hotel. I do forget that. <laughs> Unconfirmed. <laughs> we have no sources. Alleged. I do. Collins, is, is this like the usual pace this goes at? Because I feel like I we don't got know. to six I, really it, it changes every year. Because like They're last blind. year for The Bachelor, the way it ended was they were all like about to do the fantasy suite. And then like obviously Colton jumped over the fence and he basically like, I want to be with the chick who just left. So he like the last like episode was all about like getting her and then like saying bye to Tasha and like all that. But it depends. I don't know. Okay. I I couldn't tell you. Like it's a blur though. There's so many like I I don't. I would love to see <laughs> the cut like the cutting room floor for this show. That's... Like the stuff they leave out. <sighs> a lot of stuff. I would spend hours watching that stuff. Yeah. Good content. Um. All right. Well, that can wrap up Bachelor for the week. Yeah. All right, so we'll just roll right through now. Yeah, you want to? Keep going? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, Michigan State football, we're back again. How are you? Uh, if you want to join in on this conversation, again, the number, 
844-884-8989. Shoot us a text if you have any thoughts on potential coaching replacements for Mark D'Antonio. You can tweet us as well at WDBM Sports, hashtag GW Report. Um, okay, so obviously the coaching search is on uh, a bit later than you would like, just based on the timing of things. Um, so some big names were thrown out. Luke Fickle, I, I believe, is the front runner, and I think right now is the odds-on favorite to land the job. Interviewing him right now, currently. Really? Currently interviewing yeah, I was him. Say it's on campus. landed yesterday. Yes. Uh, on and campus, really? No, uh, in, Cincinnati, they, in Cincinnati. In Cincinnati. Yeah, Beekman went to Cincinnati, and there was a report that he will make his decision in the next 24 to 48 hours. Okay, so it sounds like that's the guy. But uh, Narduzzi, another name that was mentioned, and he, of course, posted his – Great tweet. Yeah, his tweet Spam about he's fantastic. not he's not leaving. Uh, do you have any do you have any thoughts on that as far as like maybe a bit salty being a guy who was here and had success here and doesn't want to come back? I I'm not salty. I didn't want Pat Narduzzi. If you're a Michigan State fan and you realize that this program needs a little breath of fresh air, Pat Narduzzi was not the right guy because I think you would have seen a lot of the same Mark D'Antonio disciples on that coaching staff, like some of the guys you don't want to see necessarily. So I. I I personally, you guys, we can all agree, they're not higher fickle. Like I think they're not higher fickle today. Yeah. No, we I we said it on the way in. I think it's fickle, or you just Trestle as the head coach. Yes, for a year, or you reevaluate. Yeah. Like fickle was at Ohio State, what they did because they're just they, it was so late in the process. You can't. I mean, Robert Sala denied the interview. I I think Mel Tucker did an interview, but he did interview, but he is denied. No, I, I saw something. I don't know if they interviewed him or if he was he just a name. He tweeted. He was like, thank you, Michigan State yeah. football, for your considerations. That would have been a great hire. Mel Tucker, really good coach. He was a really good defensive coordinator at Georgia, and he's doing a nice job at Colorado right yeah. now. But I, I, uh, Yeah, I did say he was He said he was flattered but not interested in Michigan State co- uh, coaching job. Colin, this might be I – don't, I don't think I believe this, and this might be a, a bit of a reach, but to ask you, do is there anything – about some of these people just turning this job down, they well, might say something about the pro. I don't. It might be a reach, but I just question. felt it's a question to ask. Good question. I, I wouldn't. That's not. It's a, a fair question because it, I think people like the cloud surrounding the program is like that. They're just never going to be able to give her over that hump that they did in the mid two thousand tens, like with mm-hmm. D'Antonio, like beating Ohio State, like Ohio State's a machine right now. Are they even going to be able to get yeah. to the level that Michigan is at right now? Or Penn State, because Penn State's absolute monsters on the recruiting trail. But, like, the same time, like we said earlier, like, I think necessarily I don't think Michigan State's, like, the greatest job in the Big Ten. Like, I just, like, the resource. They have a lot of resources. I would say it's a top five, maybe, like, top six job in the conference. But, like, it was on ES. Like, Martin Antonio stepping down was on ESPN. Yeah. So it has to have some sort of importance. And and even when you see guys like Salah linked to the Michigan State job, I think it puts like credibility because that was a guy I never saw them. That I thought that was a pipe dream. I understand he had ties to the program, but he's an NFL coach. Uh, I think it does say a little bit about something, but like the guy like Mel Tucker, it's his first year. It would be kind of hard for him to leave Colorado after his first year. And – like, what does that say about his character leaving his guys, like, right after he signs a recruiting class or something? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. yeah, a, yeah. A, a, it's just such a bad time. I, I think if you had the correct coaching search and Mark D'Antonio would have done this a month and a half ago, you would have seen a lot of, like, random names coming up. I thought Matt Campbell might have been one of those things. Iowa like, State, right? Yeah, who did not – that was Michigan State's first choice, and he declined the interview and said, I, I'm not interested. 
I think maybe that could be looking to just be like you Iowa State's just as good as Michigan State. That's something you possibly looked at. That's a question you asked. I don't personally see that. Do you? Not really. I I definitely like because again, I feel like if you if you look at it and you compare the two, Iowa State, Michigan State, if you were to just throw that at someone who doesn't know a whole lot about college football or about college sports in general, a lot of people will pick the Michigan State job. Yes. Oh, yeah. Michigan State's any, a, a any bigger name week. in football than Iowa State, 100%. Yeah, but Matt Campbell didn't, didn't, like, didn't, yeah, didn't even consider it. But yeah, I, I, mean, get, I just think it's the timing. Though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's loyalty. And again, when I mean, to, for him to, for any coach to leave, you you made a good point about about Fickle being kind of like blacklisted if, if things don't work out here. Uh, if I don't he, think... In the event that he comes here. In the event he comes here, he'll always have that held against him. He's like, hey, you left a whole recruiting class like the day after you signed. Like, And that's something D'Antonio has now, too. Yep. Like you saw, I think I believe it was Simmons who decided yeah, the running to— back. His brother, on he's a tight end at the University of Georgia, basically goes like, yeah, my parents were there two weekends ago, and D'Antonio assured them a lot of stuff, and it's wrong that he's able to do this, but players can't move freely. But— like you said, he'll always have that tad, but when we're talking about the coaching search, it's Fickle or you go with Trussell, like you said. like, And I think Fickle is going to take the job. Like the vibe I have around Fickle, there's, so? he would have denied it by this point. He's been asked about it like three or four times. Like for him to go on radio and be like, I haven't talked to Michigan State other than Mark D'Antonio in the last three or four weeks and like be really vague and weird and talk around, like say a lot of words that don't mean anything, shows me that yeah. he is interested in the job because it's a perfect fit for him. It really is a perfect fit for Luke Fickle because he's a guy – who knows the recruiting footprint. Mm-hmm. He's an Ohio State grad. He's been, he coached in the Big Ten with Mark D'Antonio. They're friends. They followed the same path. They both were coaches at Cincinnati. And, I, like, what's his dream job? Like, he's this is a guy who could build your program, and he could be here for a while. Because this Ryan Day is at Ohio State. I've heard Notre Dame is like possibly his dream job. I don't know if Notre Dame would want to get Luke Fickle as a replacement for Brian Kelly. So, like, he's a good hire, and he would be a guy who's a long-term solution rather than, like, a guy like Robert Sala, who you could see major success, and then he leaves for the NFL in, like, three years, like Matt Rule. Yeah, I think the biggest thing with Fickle, especially you talk about that radio interview, is the other coaches were so quick once Michigan State even called them to get something out of, oh, I'm not leaving my program. And Fickle was one of the first people to get on radio, and he doesn't even denounce the fact that, oh, I'm staying with Cincinnati. He, like you said, was very vague, kind of poked around the bush. And so I, in Michigan State, they want to make this decision, but I believe by February 14th, before that Board of Trustees meeting, yes. they want to have this decision done. And so I I do think it is Fickle. I think he's, he's leaning towards State, and I think this is – if they don't get him – Would you guys – you're happy with Fickle, though. Yes. I, I would be yeah. happy with Luke oh, Fickle. Yeah. Yes. I mean, for one thing, like you said, he is follow the same path him and Antonio are friends. He's got yeah. that going for him. He also, like with his recruiting class, it's recruiting class at Cincinnati, he recruits the heck out of Ohio. Which is something you need to do huge to coach at Michigan State. Huge. And so I think between his recruit I mean the fact that he got a top class to Cincinnati. Yeah, I believe they were thirty eight. Thirty eight like which is pretty good. That's good. Yeah. That, and if you say he comes in and he's got, you know, the Spartan green and white, and he's not recruiting kids to play at Michigan State, I I think this guy can be really good. I, and 
people will say, is this just like a retread with D'Antonio? It's not. He doesn't come from the D'Antonio tree. I, I understand he might have been like a GA or he played under D'Antonio when D'Antonio was a defensive coordinator at Ohio State. But it's not a retread. It's a complete. It's a fresh air, a breath of fresh air for the program because I do think they might keep on Trestle for defensive coordinator. But I guarantee you, they're in a clean house on the offensive side of the football if he is hired. So yeah. I like, and you're gonna see. It's not to be the same group of guys like you see every like. It's not Don Treadwell is not to be coming back to coaches wide receivers like he'll he. I I think will hire actual young coaches. Michigan State doesn't have any like young, young coaches that go out and recruit well. I think Brad Salem's probably their best recruiter, and he's probably like what, like 45? Yeah. Like in college football these days, you need young up and coming guys. Like I know Josh Dattis at Michigan, he he did a good job at the end of the year with that offense, and people criticize him a lot in the beginning of the year. He dominates in recruiting because he's a younger guy who understands what the kids like do. Like, he's not some old fart who's just like, this is how we're going to play Big Ten football. We're going to run the ball down their throat. Like, they, they actually are real with these kids. Yeah. Uh, Luke Fickle had some pretty good success at Cincinnati, 26-13, and 13, uh, his record there with the Bearcats. Obviously, a team that he took on and went 4-8 and eight his first year. Uh, their 11-win team the last two years. So, uh, And Cincinnati's not a name of, like, a powerhouse football program that you think of. It's more, I think Cincinnati, I think of, like, basketball. Well, but- like... They were good when Brian Kelly was there. Like, he built that up, and then Butch Jones helped them. The thing I, like, Luke Fickle got to Cincinnati when it was down. Like, it was a down Cincinnati. Like, they weren't good when he came there. He, like, wasn't taking over for, like, Mark D'Antonio when it was in a good spot or something like that. And it wasn't even that good of a spot when Mark D'Antonio left for Michigan State, if you look at his record at Cincinnati. But, like, he built it, like, the way he's wanted to, and they've gotten good pretty quickly. Like, and people, like, if Michigan State get Luke Fickle, I still doesn't think it changed the outcome of next season because yeah. I think they're going to struggle, struggle regardless. But I do think it, 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 it's, it accelerates the rebuild a little bit. Do you, uh, the last one, looking at Fickle, if he comes in, who do you think on staff stays? Probably Trussell. And I think they, if, if Trussell doesn't say, I think they bring back Harlan Barnett. Okay. Because right. I, I, you need to have like some sort of mission and say ties in your like yep. program. Fair enough. Well, the searching uh, continues for Michigan State football. Hopefully by next Sunday we have some updates for you and some good news, uh, Luke Fickle or not. But that is going to be all for us today here on the Green and White Report brought to you by Impact 89 FM WDBM. Join us next Sunday and every Sunday at 11 a.m. Remember to follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at WDBM Sports. Facebook, Impact 89 FM Sports. Check us out there. Uh, you can find all of our content on impact89fm.com or sorry, .org slash sports. See you next Sunday, folks. For Ryan Rabinowitz and Julian Mitchell, Ryan Collins as well. Thanks for listening today. See you next week. You have been listening to the Green and White Report on WDBM. For all your sports news and notes, go to impact89fm.org sports.